Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Here we go, Tuesday edition of the Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning has the day off. You out there, what's up, everybody? We've got a lot to pack in, four hours to do it. Eagles football at four, Adam Kaplan today. Uh, PT for a Tuesday with Thompson. We've got that. We've also... We'll dive into some Eagles conversation, Sixers kind of slowing down with the uh, Summer League and everything kind of wrapping up here shortly. We'll get into a couple Sixers thoughts as well. Uh, I do want to get into the Phillies' loss last night. Uh, They lose in St. Louis 6-1, to kind of another night where it was frustrating because they had eight hits. They had the lead runner on base, uh, I think, four times, something like that. Couldn't get anything going. But Aaron Nola last night, you know, I didn't think Nola was awful, but he just was okay. And that's something that just can't happen with this team. This team, to be a team that we want to take seriously, if I want to take the Phillies seriously, I need to be able to take Aaron Nola seriously. In the last two starts, he hasn't been bad. Look, you get seven innings out of your starter in 2022. That's a big thing. Uh, he pitched seven innings. He gave up seven hits, but he gave up the five runs. And the five runs, he had seven strikeouts, no walks. So he had a good night throwing strikes and everything. Just wasn't, for, there was something that just wasn't right there. He just was missing something. He gave up that home run in the fifth. Was it the fifth or the sixth last night when he gave up that homer? I think it was, um, uh, he gave up the homer to, uh, was it Dickerson in the seventh, I guess it was. He gave up the two run homer to Dickerson in the seventh. And at that moment, you know, he just wasn't sharp last night. And, look, I said at the beginning of the series, the Phillies can sweep, uh, split with the Cardinals. You're hoping for a split with the Cardinals. Two, you got to try to take two here with the uh, Blue Jays, which is not going to be easy, by the way. We'll get more on that in a minute. Uh, but I thought it was a, a series of missed opportunity to win the first two of that series and then end up splitting the way they did where they had eight hits last night with one run. 11 hits the night before and only three runs. I thought there was an opportunity for more runs in this series. They just didn't get them. And now they find themselves uh, tied with the Cardinals. Now, they do have the tiebreaker of the Cardinals with a wild card. And, uh, you know, that was the big thing of getting those first two games of the series. But, look, I've been kind of harping on, you're going to the All-Star break here. And this is a big week. You're going to the All-Star break. And you can't take your foot off the gas because the All-Star break's coming. And now you're going to this series with a couple things that we got to bring up. One, Alec Bohm hurt last night. I know the whole oven mitt thing. Maybe he should have had an oven mitt on. Yeah, I got egg on my face on that one. Uh, I still don't think, uh, you know, that's very rare. 
you know, I don't think uh, the oven mitt is something. I don't know. Would the, would the oven mitt have uh, helped that? In? I had people tweeting at me. They like, that's why you wear the oven mitt on your hand. Uh, Boom. Looks like he dislocated his finger. Obviously, we'll talk to Frank about what we know on how long he could be out for. But, um, it, it, you know, obviously they lose Boehm last night. He wasn't going to play in this series anyway. And then after the game, Real Muto, uh, he's one of four Phillies that will not be with the team. Boehm was one of them. Nola's the other. That's not a big deal. And Gibson's one of them, too. So that's not a big deal. But Real Muto will not play in Toronto. He's not vaccinated. And therefore, he cannot enter Canada. After the game is over last night, he told the media, quote, I mean, it's extremely unfortunate situation. Obviously, my teammates know how I feel about them and how badly I want to be out there with them. But it's just an unfortunate that I'm not able to make the trip. And then he was asked about what his reservations were. And, you know, this is where some people kind of got rubbed the wrong way by what JT Realmuto said last night. Look, I could care less what his decision is. He does whatever he wants. I'm not going to judge the guy. Uh, here's what I'll say. I know Matisse Steibel could not go to Canada, and that has kind of changed the trajectory of his Sixers career a little bit. He went from a starting player on the Sixers to basically a non-factor in those playoffs. Now, I don't know what that means for him coming up this year. Maybe it will all be forgotten. Maybe his teammates don't give a rat's rear end. Maybe it's just something uh, that's a blip on the radar. But Real Muto comes out and he says, quote, I'm just, I'm a healthy 31-year-old professional athlete, and I just didn't feel the need to get it. I've had COVID a couple times. I had super mild symptoms back when it first came out. And when it came time to decide whether I need the vaccine or not, I talked with a couple of doctors that I knew, and I told them my story and just really decided I didn't think I needed it. It wasn't going to take it just because I was told to do so, basically. So he basically said, look, I I just don't feel like I needed to take it. Fine. Okay. I have no problem with that decision if that's what your decision is. I'm not here to judge anybody. I could care less. Now, Real Muto will lose $260,000 in salary because he's not playing those two games, which sounds preposterous to begin with. That you're you're making two hundred and sixty thousand dollars for two games, and this is where Real Muto got himself into some uh, hot water with some of the fans out there. He says, "Yeah, but I mean, what's money? I'm not going to let Canada tell me what to do uh, or tell me what I do and don't put in my body for a little bit of money. It's just not worth it to me." To which, of course, people were like, "Dude." $260,000 and you're just like eh, just a little bit of money and that's where you kind of take a look at it and say, are these guys just making entirely, entirely, entirely too much money that they don't, that $260,000 isn't a blip on your radar I mean there are many people out there working that had to make the choice to do something maybe they didn't want to do because they couldn't afford not to. And here's Real Muto saying, eh, $260,000, don't care. Really don't, doesn't bother me all that much to lose out on $260,000. And that's where we all have to ask ourselves, like, really? First off, you're making $260,000 to play two baseball games, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. And... 
then you're basically throwing in the fans' face to say, well, that $260,000 isn't all that big. I don't really need it. I mean, listen, I'll play the back and forth with Real Muto and the reporters last night, and you could tell Real Muto was prepared for it to come. He had a little smirk on his face, and he knew he was getting the questions. By the way, in his place, Raphael Marchand is expected to play uh, or join the team in Toronto. Him and Garrett Stubbs will be the catchers for the Phillies. This is JT Rumuto last night on NBC Sports Philadelphia following the Phillies as uh, he is not able to play these next two games, which will dock him $260,000, to which he said, eh, what's a little money? How do you feel about it, I guess? You know, like you know, some people say you're, you're letting your team down. Uh, teammates have supported you, though. So well, how do you feel about it? I mean, yeah, it's, it's an extremely unfortunate situation. Um, obviously, my teammates know how I feel about them and, and um, how bad I want to be out there with them. But um, it's just unfortunate that I'm not able to make the trip. What, what are your reservations with you? I just, I mean, I'm a healthy 31-year-old professional athlete um, that I just didn't feel the need to get it. Um, I've had COVID a couple of times and super mild symptoms uh, back when it first came out. And when it came time to decide whether um, I needed a vaccine or not, uh, talked with a couple of doctors that I knew and told them my story and just really decided I didn't think I needed it. And I, I wasn't going to take it just because I was told to, basically. So. Mm-hmm. Even if it meant not missing. Because you're going to forfeit a good amount of salary. Yeah, but I mean, what's 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 money when I'm not going to let Canada tell me what I do and don't put in my body? For a little bit of money, it's just it's not worth it. All right, that was JT Romuto last night. Again, I have I, I don't care what his decision is. I really don't. I just go into the minds of being on a team and trying to say, hey, much like the Sixers situation and what that kind of did uh, to Matisse Stiebel's effectiveness the rest of the way. I mean, he essentially got swapped out of the rotation, right? They went to Danny Green, and then we never really saw Matisse Stiebel make much of an impact the rest of the way, and I don't know why that is. Was it because his teammates lost faith in him? Was it because his teammates basically, I don't want to say turn their back on him. I don't think that's the case. I think these guys, I don't know. I mean, JT Romuto, are his teammates looking down upon him because he's missing two games? Are they going to look back and say those two games that JT missed cost us a chance at making the playoffs? Probably not. But they're going to be without him and Boehm for these two. Now, Boehm wasn't going to play because of the vaccine status, but now uh, he's injured, and there's a good possibility that Alec Bohm is out for possibly an extended uh, length of time. You know, in that second inning, you could see that he's saying as he's walking off the field, he said it looks like he says it's broken, it's broken. Uh, have they – got to take a look at if they've made an announcement on what the official injury is with Alec Bohm. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. It's a Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. You know, uh, Hoskins hits that home run in the first inning uh, off Miklas. I thought Miklas really settled in and, and kind of took control of the game. That was really the factor in that game was I thought Miklas gave up the homer early and settled in, and Nola never seemed to settle into the game. I thought Nola was pitching well early, but he just didn't, I don't know, I felt like something was kind of missing, Right? I felt like something was kind of missing. 
But this whole thing, all of it, all encompassing here, you know, with the real Muto not playing. And then I hope all I'm saying is I hope this isn't the beginning of this team seemingly has some good chemistry. They seem to like each other. It seems to be a team right now that is meshing. You know, Kyle Schwarber said the other day, right? That, hey, listen, we all got here new. And, you know, April, May, we're just kind of learning each other. I'd hate to get a spot to where you are learning each other and you're starting to play better baseball. Look, let's not sit here and rip this team and say, same old Phillies. No, they, they were seven back, right? They were seven back at the start of June in the wild card race. Well, now they have the wild card. So they deserve that credit. But I don't want to see a situation, as I've kind of described, and this is before the injuries, and this is before we knew who was vaccinated and not vaccinated and who can't go and who can't play is I don't want to see you going to the All-Star break. Let's say, worst-case scenario, you get swept here by the Blue Jays, and then you know what it's like playing in Miami against the Marlins. It hasn't gone well for you over the years, and they get mm, two out of three. I'm not even going to give them a sweep. I'll say two out of three. And the next thing you know, all that work that you put in to get to that wild-card spot, you go into the All-Star break, and you're looking up, and you're saying, oh, my God, we're behind by two games behind the Cardinals all of a sudden. And you're at the All-Star break, and now you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, we lost a couple games in Toronto. And there's a lot of factors here. Like, I go back to the Thibel. I, I just kept thinking about the Thibel thing. And after that whole series with Toronto that Philadelphia won, it just felt that Thibel never regained his role. And that doesn't mean, of course, JT Romuto is going to come back. He's going to be the starting catcher. But let's be honest. He hasn't been the same player this year. He hasn't had the same impact. And you got Romuto, and the team starts to struggle a little bit, and this is the first sign of them struggling. I think this is, could be a distraction that's not necessary. That's all. Again, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not here to judge JT Romuto. I, I could care less, to be honest with you. If he if that's his decision, I respect his decision. I'm not here to rip him for that. I'm just saying, could this be the first thing that is an unnecessary distraction, right? That's all I'm asking. I don't want to see a unnecessary distraction. Uh, Mike, yesterday said no one gets hand injuries yet. The Phillies have had three. Maybe the oven mitt isn't so stupid. Yeah, I said that at the beginning of the show. I still think the oven mitt's not necessary, but... Uh, the one hand injury the Phillies had was Bryce Harper broke his thumb. The oven mitt, you're not wearing that at the plate. So, eh, that's a, that's a strike to you. I'll take the bone one. Who's the other hand injury that they have right now? Oh, uh, Segura. Well, that was another one. Segura got hit, right? So, the oven mitt, you're not wearing that at the plate. I don't think any, I don't think that any protection would have prevented um, Harper's. I'm trying to remember Segura, what happened to him. Did he get hit in the hand or hit in the thumb? He broke his finger. How did he break his finger? I got to I gotta go back and remember. But uh, whatever. I just think that the other mitt thing is unnecessary. I mean, last night, maybe it would have helped there, but I don't know. I haven't seen it, the, the, the thing actually. Now, 
I'm not even sure that Bohm's last night, it would have helped. Because generally they wear it on, like, their right hand. I think he broke his, I think he dislocated uh, the left. They don't wear them on both hands, the oven mitts. That's my whole point. You're wearing it on one hand. You're not wearing it on both. And if, I think Bohm, I think it was his left hand last night. I'm trying to remember as he was walking off the field. I feel like he was his left hand that he hurt last night. Um, I don't remember scores. But that being said, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I just think it looks ridiculous. I think there's other ways. Um, you look at, uh, let's see, a couple more texts. Uh, do you think Nola is what he is now, or do you think he can get back into that one in the rotation Cy Young candidate form? No, Tom, I don't think he's a Cy Young type of pitcher anymore. No. He had that one year. He has been nothing close to that. I think Nola is a low end two, probably better suited to be your three. And at times he pitches like a one, and at times he pitches. Now, he didn't pitch like a four or five last night. I mean, he, he was okay last night. But, you know, he gives up the big home run. He just, he just not like a guy, even like, you know, the game against the, the, the Washington Nationals the, the other night. It's not his fault like that Herrera misplays that ball. And he hasn't got a lot of run support, to be fair. But no, to answer your question, Tom from the Villas, I don't think he's going to get back to that number one in the, and look, when he got drafted at LSU, he wasn't projected to be a top of the rotation pitcher. He was, you know, more of a two or a three guy. So keep that in mind as well. But I just don't want this whole real Muto thing to bring that. That's what these things to me are the biggest, the biggest problem with like the, the thigh bowl. It's the unnecessary distractions that come from them because now everybody asks questions. They have to answer the questions. If the team, let's say the team doesn't play well in Toronto. Let's say Stubbs doesn't play well in Toronto. Let's say Stubbs plays really well in Toronto. Well, then you have to answer those questions. Oh, should Stubbs get more playing time? Just an unnecessary distraction. Right? 609-403-0973. Now, Boehm, when he got hurt, he was one for one. He got the hit, but he tried to extend the play to a double. He got thrown out. The Phillies challenged the call, and the umpires ruled that he was tugged out on the play. Boehm has been hitting. He's up to 273 all of a sudden. He's lengthened the lineup. Um, somebody said Segura was a bunt. That's right. It was a bunt. So the oven mitt wouldn't have helped Segura either. I don't know. I've never, I have not seen. Now, somebody... I'm not saying it hasn't happened. If somebody has video, you can send it to me. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I haven't seen a situation where the oven mitt prevented an injury from happening. That's all. Uh, Jason from Millville says, Bone was trying to stretch a single into a double. Segura was bunting. His hand was wrapped around the bat, and the ball hit his finger. The oven mitt wouldn't help in either case. Yeah, I, I'm looking at Bohm last night. I think he hurt his left hand. And generally, the players, um, I don't know. I mean, the way that that happened, I don't even know what that thing does. 
<laughs> to be honest with you, I haven't seen it do anything. I've never seen someone slide that thing help them and then them be like, oh, man, thank thank God he was wearing that thing. Now, somebody texted me last night. A buddy of mine texted me and said, that's what you wear the oven mitt for. Now, when I watched that play, I'm not sure that he would even have the – I don't know what – I thought that the players generally wear it on their right hand. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, moral of the story is Bohm's hurt, all right? <laughs> Bohm's hurt. Uh, and I would imagine, right, I would imagine it with the dislocated finger that he wouldn't be missing as much time as Segura, uh, who, who fractured his finger, and he's out, you know, they said 10 to 12 weeks. I guess he's back on the field. He's been fielding ground balls. Uh, Bryce Harper, certainly nothing was helping that. He got hit in the thumb. Um, you know, some of these guys wear those hand pads over top their hand. Like, uh, the, the one guy, Castellanos, I mean, he goes up there like Frankenstein, for God's sakes. He's got a hand one. He's got the elbow one. He's got a shin guard. Um, yeah, Castellanos is just too much for me. You want to pick one? Go ahead, pick one. Have, have a blast. He's got one on every part of his body. Right? And I, and you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm half joking with the whole oven mitt thing. I just think they look ridiculous. Like, you know, part of it is having some self pride in your appearance when you're on the bases. Yeah, uh, somebody texted in too. The oven mitt is mainly to prevent the thumb from being dislocated when you slide into the base. That's what I thought, Jay, is that when you slide and you come to the side of the bag, that sometimes, your hand will go past and your thumb will catch. And it's so that your thumb stays in so that your thumb doesn't catch the corner of the bag. So like this isn't for somebody sliding head first and then to, to help prevent their um, pinky ring finger, middle finger and pointer finger from getting jammed or dislocated. It's those guys who slide and they go to the outside of the bag and the thumb kind of catches the side of the bag. Some of these players were having that happen, and the thumb was dis you know, they were getting their thumbs dislocated. The oven mitt thing, the, 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 the purpose of it is so that the thumb stays together with the rest of the fingers so that it doesn't get attached to the side corners of the bag there. You know, for the people who are like, well, what does this oven mitt even do? Thank you, Jay. I probably should have described that myself. But I I appreciate the text because that, that definitely um, clears up a little bit for the listeners out there what this thing does. And that, you're right. I don't think if Bone was wearing that last night, I don't think that that would have helped him because I think he, I think he, um, I don't think it was his thumb that was injured. He had a left ring finger. And that was popped back into place. So I don't know. It, it could be a short time. Um, we'll have to see. We won't know because he won't be with the team the next two days in Toronto. But that's all I th- say. Uh, Mike Castellanos has never seen a pitch he doesn't like. I hate watching him bat. It's like Herrera. You know, I don't know your name, sir, but I brought this up yesterday. The guy hit 309 last year with 34 homers and 100 RBIs. On base percentage was like 350 or even higher. Cassianos 
decline this year has been one of the more surprising things to me. Right? Castellanos' decline is the head-scratcher for me. Um, some base dealers wear it to try to get that extra couple inches, kind of like Gar Snow wearing the extra big shoulder pads. Jay from Millville. Maybe. I just think they look ridiculous. Like, unless a doctor told me, listen, you need to have this on, I'm not wearing that thing. It looks ridiculous. And I don't know that there's one player out there that says, man, I had this thing on, thankfully. Maybe I'm wrong. If you get, somebody has a video of where I'm wrong, I'd love to see it. Other than that, to me, it's just... Somebody came up with a ridiculous device, and they're making... It's like when you're on Shark Tank. You're watching Shark Tank. You're like, why didn't I think of that? Some dummy will buy that. And ultimately, a bunch of dummies have bought that. Like, I would never say to my mom, Hey, mom, you got to buy me the oven mitt. I'd be like, dude, I am not wearing that thing. Right? I'm not wearing that thing. For the one possibility in... It's not happening. And Bones injury last night... I don't think they'll admit what helped them. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. When we come back, I want to get a little deeper into the game last night. Uh, Nola. Phillies offense going silent. Phillies Cardinals split. They got the Blue Jays start tonight, tomorrow. Then they're off on Thursday. And Miami, don't like that series. Going to the All-Star break. Don't like it. We'll talk more Phillies at three. Got some thoughts on the Phillies game from last night. We kind of talked a little bit more about the Real Muto stuff and the Bone stuff. I want to get into the game last night. Your thoughts as well. More text messages coming in. Keep them coming. I'll open up the text board throughout the show. And don't forget, download the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. As many of you have, if you have the app, tap on the app and enter to win Dave Matthews Band tickets. It's easy. It's free. The app is free. The tickets are free, and they're from me. All you got to do is download the app, fill out the form. If I call out your name on Thursday's show at 5 o'clock, you're going to see the Dave Matthews Band Friday night in Camden, all thanks to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now, back to the Sports For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. ESPN. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill with you. Uh, Four-game split in the series with the Cardinals. I guess at the beginning, you know, I guess last week when I was looking at the schedule leading into the All-Star break, uh, I said a split with the Cardinals is an acceptable outcome. So I guess I can't complain all that much. Um, And I guess it is, depending on what happens with uh, the Blue Jays here and then Miami, but I said a split with the Cardinals is kind of what you had to be hoping for, but the Monday loss to the Cardinals, you had Nola last night, which I thought, you know, in the beginning, uh, Nola looked like he was all right. 
and then all of a sudden that kind of turned awry for him. This is two starts in a row now where Nola, you know, the last one was kind of up in the air. He loses that game to the Nationals, but that's the, the ball misplayed by Herrera in center field. But last night, I didn't think Nola looked nearly as sharp as he needs to in a game like that. And that's a situation where I don't want to be like, ah, that's the, the same old Nola from, you know, the last couple of seasons where we just really didn't buy into Aaron Nola. I mean, I thought he's looked really, really like a different pitcher uh, this year. Last night, not so much the case. And even though at the end of the day, right, you take a look back at the night that Nola had, um, that was just not a sharp, as sharp a Nola as we've seen. He did have seven innings, seven uh, strikeouts, the seven hits. He gave up the five runs. He gave up the big home run um, uh, to Dickerson. That was kind of a big spot in the game. Dickerson hits that one in the seventh. And that game at the time is 3-1. And then the home run makes it a 5-1 game. And then they end up tacking one off with another homer off the bullpen in the eighth. And uh, I just didn't think he was as sharp last night. Um, Reese Hoskins had the only spark in the lineup. And then, of course, the news with Bohm, who left with the injury. And, you know, yes, yesterday went on about the uh, of admit that nobody needs one. Maybe that would have helped them last night, I guess. Maybe Alec Bohm shouldn't be listening to me and should have wore the of admit last night. Um, but when you take a look back and you look at this series, the Phillies get the split, which is kind of what I had said. Hey, you got to split with the, the Cardinals. Uh, it's just kind of the way that they lost these games. You had 11 hits, scored three runs. You had eight last night, scored one run. Uh, Phillies fall. They're now eight back in the division. And then the wild card, remember, they take three teams this year in the wild card. So you have that extra wild card cushion. Uh, but even with that right now, in that wild card situation, the Phillies are the third team, but they are tied with St. Louis. Now, we know they have the tiebreaker over St. Louis, but they're two games up on the Giants. They're four games up on the Marlins, and I think that Marlins one is a little bit more interesting. We'll take a look at that. You know, in that second inning, when Bohm, he he was thrown out trying to stretch a single into a double, and they review the play, the, the call in the field stood. Um, but I thought Bohm was definitely, it looked like he said in there that uh, you could tell that he was in some pain. He said, it, it looked like he said it's broken. If you look at the video back, and right after the play, he grabs his hand in pain. He tells the trainer that he thought the finger was broken. He went straight to the clubhouse, and, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with Alec Bohm here, who was, look, he was just starting to kind of hit for you. He was just kind of starting to become a, I don't want to say a force in your offense, but another uh, making stretching your uh, lineup out when you had Bohm starting to hit, you know, down in the six and seven spot wherever he's hitting in the lineup for the most part. You were getting a guy that was stretching this lineup out, and he had another hit last night, brought up to two seventy three. And if you're going to lose Bohm, you're going to probably, you know, be replacing him with a guy like Munoz. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening with Camargo when he's back, but uh, you're you're definitely losing somebody who's been helping out the offense, and it's never you know no time is a good time to lose a player in the lineup, especially with Harper already out. They're already down Harper Segura, and then Bowman's been hitting three thirty. We talk about the, the the calendar month June, 
the Phillies have had so many positive things go their way in the month of June. He's hitting 330 since June the 12th. Remember, go back to Friday night where Bohm had the two home runs in the game. And then on Monday, he's hurt. And I think it will probably keep him out for the foreseeable future here. We'll see. So a couple missed opportunities in that game last night when you look back. They had the leadoff runner on base. What? In the first, um, I don't know, what was it, three, four innings in the first six innings last night. You had Hoskins, Real Muto, Veerling singling each inning to get on base to start things off. They just couldn't get anything going. Cassianos into another double play. Um, Schwarber hit into a double play in the six. Real Muto. In fact, if you look back with Hoskins hitting that home run, that was really the only thing they had going all night last night. They did have eight hits. We talked about the lead guy getting on base. They just could not, again, could not get the big hit. So it was a frustrating night, to say the least. And I thought, you know, you look at Nola. Early on in that game, he seemed like he was in a nice rhythm. Uh, The first four innings, Carlson, the only guy who reached base in that second inning. And then in the fifth, it just kind of went back to the Nola that we saw more last year. You get that Carlson single, Pujols. uh, Looked like it would have been a double play ball. But Carlson took off on the pitch. And that was a big play because then uh, Dickerson gets an RBI. And after that play, I just feel like Nola wasn't all that sharp. So got to get back on track in a tough situation now. And by the way, uh, Nicholas last night, seven innings. uh, I thought he was really good. You know, he was tough last night, 99 pitches, efficient. He gave up just the one home run that he settled in. It was the last two nights frustrating because you pounded out 19 hits and you only have four runs to show for it. So Nola, I think, becomes the question. His ability to, you know, be consistent. Can I trust you? It's felt like he was turning the corner. Now he has losses in his last two starts or the team has lost. In his last two starts. I think actually he has actually taken the loss in both those starts. That game against Washington. Now he's now 5-7 and seven on the day. We'll talk more Phillies with Frank Close from 97.3 ESPN.com. His mailbag uh, is coming up at 3 o'clock today here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. I also think that uh, some Phillies news that came down. I think that Kyle Schwarber uh, has announced on Instagram that he will compete in the 2022 Home Run Derby. So you're going to get Kyle Schwarber, who was in the 2018 Home Run Derby when the All-Star Game was at Nationals Park. Uh, He beat Reese Hoskins that year in the semifinals, and he lost to Bryce Harper in the championship round. So Schwarber's in, Hoskins is not, Harper's hurt. And so far, your Home Run Derby is now Schwarber, Pujols, Pete Alonso. Ronald Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto of the Nationals, they have all confirmed that they will be in the Home Run Derby. Uh, that will, of course, be on 97.3 ESPN Monday night. You can hear it right here. Pete Alonso is the back-to-back champion. He's won in 19 and in 21. There was no event in 2020 because of the COVID shortened season. The last time the Phillies had a guy win the event, does anybody remember? 
609-403-0973. They've had, uh, the last time a Philly won was 06. It was at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. I'll give you a minute or two to see if you can text in and think of it. And you had Bobby Abreu win the event also. It was 06 and 05, I think, is when Abreu. So Schwarber's an all-star for the second consecutive year. And he's got those 28 home runs. And now he's going to be in the home run derby. So everybody remember the last Philly to win the home run derby. We're going back to 06. Ryan Howard won the derby at PNC Park, thanks to the people who texted. And the year before that, Bobby Abreu won at uh, Comerica Park, where the Tigers play. So they are the last couple times the Phillies had a home run derby champion. Uh, the year Harper won it, he was um, with the Nationals. All right. So a couple things on the Phillies there. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. The 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. And don't forget, get the app on your phone now. Download it in the Apple Store or Google Play. And when you have the app, you can tap on the app, take the app wherever you go to listen to the Sports Bash, but also win great prizes. This week, I'm giving away tickets to go see the Dave Matthews Band this Friday night at Camden. All you need to do is download the app, tap on the app, fill out the form. And if I call your name on Thursday's show, you're going to see Dave Matthews Band this Friday night in Camden. So get the app, fill out the form, win the tickets to see the Dave Matthews Band here with the Sports Bash. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free. Now, back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. Two forty-seven. You know, uh, whenever you hear this song, "White Stripes, Seven Nation Army," do you feel like you're like a college basketball game or something with all the students jumping up and down? It's kind of become like uh, it kind of took over for "Jump Around," right? You see here, "Jump Around," "House of Pain." Now this one gets everybody going. Think of sports events when this game's on. Oh, uh, this song's on. Uh, speaking of sporting events, the Live Golf Tour is uh, in a kind of a polarizing discussion. The uh, U.S., not the U.S., the British Open is this op- uh, weekend. The, the Open Championship is this weekend. Uh, Tiger Woods got into the the fray in terms of talking about it. Um and he, he made a comment on why he doesn't like how players went to live golf. His reason, though, I find that this reason is probably the most admirable one that I have heard so far when it comes to all the different things. Like, 
everybody's got their thoughts and whatever on where the money's coming from and all that stuff. Look, all of, I'm not, nobody's holier than thou out there to be judging people. I'm sure there are plenty of people listening that probably would do the same thing or whatever. So I'm not here to judge those people. Do I like the fact that the Live Golf Tour has split the PGA and kind of turned it into two watered-down products? Not necessarily, right? I think that has... Look, golf is a sport that doesn't have the popularity to begin with. Like, it needs all the stars it can get. Now you're splitting it into two. You're not doing yourself any favors. Now, that being said, the Live Golf Tour is starting to, you know, gain a little bit of viewership. I I looked on the YouTube channel, and for the last event, I think they had about 600,000 people that watched on YouTube. But here's what Tiger Woods had to say when asked about the players playing on the Live Golf Tour, and this was his response. These players are doing for, you know, guaranteed money. Um, what, what is the incentive to practice? What is the incentive to go out there and earn it in the dirt? Um, you're just getting paid a lot of money up front and playing a few events and playing 54 holes. They're trying to, you know, playing blaring music and have all these um, atmospheres that are different. I, I just don't see how, you know, I've... 54 holes, I mean, I, I can understand 54 holes is almost like a mandate when you get to the senior tours. The guy's a little bit older and a little more banged up. But, you know, when you're at a young age and some of these kids, they really are kids, you know, who are gone from amateur golf in into that organization. Um, 72-hole tests, you know, are, are part of it. I mean, we used to have 36-hole playoffs for major championships. You know, that's that's how it used to be. Um, 18-hole U.S. Open playoffs. You know, that's... Um, I just don't see how that, that move is, is positive in the, in the long term. So some pretty strong comments from Tiger Woods. I mean, so if anybody thought that he could make the move to live golf, I think that was pretty strong for him to come out and denounce it. And his reasoning, I feel like, okay, you're saying this, you took money because it's there. No. He basically said, what reason do you have to get any better? What reason do you have to keep working at your craft? If they're going to pay you, right, if they're going to pay you to, no matter what, no matter what you shoot, you shot an 80, you're nine over par, here's your check. Tiger Woods says to play there, I disagree with it. They've turned their back on what has allowed them to get in this position. It was kind of a strong comment from Tiger Woods when asked about it today. Take a listen. Your question about the the players who have chosen to go to live and and to play on um, to play there, I I disagree with it. Um, I think that uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. Um, some players have never got a chance to even experience it. 
Uh, they've they've gone right from the amateur ranks right into you know that organization, um, and now we really get a chance to to play out here and, and what it feels like to play a tour schedule or, or to um, play in some big events. And you know who knows what what's going to happen in the near future with world ranking points, um, the criteria for entering major championships. Um, the, the, the governing body's going to have to figure that out. And I, some of these players may, may not ever get a chance to play major championships. And that is a possibility. Uh, we don't know that for sure yet. It's up to the, all the major championship bodies to make that determination. But that is a possibility that um, some players will never ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here. Um, I walked down the fairways at Augusta National. I mean, uh, that, that to me, I, I just don't, I just, to me, I just don't understand it. So Tiger, obviously, with some more strong words there of, hey, uh, you've turned your back on the organization that allowed you to get this opportunity. And... You know, look, here's a guy who's made over a billion dollars. So I think his the, the lack of necessity to take the the money and whether or not he gets better or not. He was a guy who was driven by winning. He was a guy that was driven by being the best. He was a guy that was driven by conquering that sport. Not everybody has the same drive and goals as he does. But I think his point is a good one. What point, what reason do you have to get any better? And I thought that was a really strong takeaway from listening to Tiger Woods speak today, getting ready for the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN. The 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We told you earlier, download the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, and you can Win tickets to see the Dave Matthews Band this Friday night. Always a popular concert. I know a lot of people going to the concert. Well, I have a four-pack of tickets to give away. Just get the app, fill out the form, and if I call out your name on Thursday's show, you're going to see Dave Matthews Band this Friday night in Camden. So get the app, enter to win, listen for your name, go see the show. Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. At Mike Gill Show. When we come back, the Phillies mailbag had a ton of questions in it. Frank Close answered them. We'll ask him a bunch of questions. Alec Bohm, JT Real Muto, what's next for them? Plus, Aaron Nola and more. The Phillies mailbag is open and it's next. It's here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app powered by First Bank of Sea Isle City. More Sports Bash coming up. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm Mike Gill. What's up, everybody? Sports Bash brought to you by the AC Airport. Plan your next vacation now. Spirit Airlines is offering nonstop flights from Atlantic City International. 
Airport to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami, and other exciting destinations. Visit spirit.com. Phillies and Blue Jays tonight. And uh, as you know, Phillies lose that series to the Cardinals. Now they focus on the Blue Jays series, which, uh, you know, it's an interesting one. The Blue Jays, a uh, pretty good team. They're not having the season that uh, many people thought they would have. Well, I think think I think people thought they'd probably be better. Uh, but you got this situation where you are a little shorthanded, and uh, we'll get into that here on the Sports Bash this hour, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, Frank Lotz has the Phillies mailbag. Uh, some interesting questions this week when it comes to the mailbag here. And uh, we will dive into a bunch of them. I do want to, you know, kind of take a look at some of the different things that has kind of led the Phillies to this spot to get to the wild card. Uh, they won three straight, then they lost the last two to the Cardinals. But they've won five out of the last six. And, you know, this is a team that really got hot in the month of June. The month of June has been a big month for them. And it has been um, one of those things where, you know, that month of June has really, really propelled them to where they are. So um, what has happened in June? Has it carried over to July? Let's take a look at that. Frank Close will be joining us here for another edition of the Phillies Mailbag right now on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Frank Close's mailbag is now officially open for business. What's going on, Frank? How are you, pal? I'm doing well. How are you? We're all good, bud. Uh, last night, uh, you know, uh, they split the series with the Cardinals. Is that a success to you, the way it all went down? I mean, the first two nights, two shutouts. They didn't score a whole heck of a lot. And then they lose the last two. You all right with uh, the way that series went? You know, if you asked me before the series would the sweep be good, I would say yes. But after taking the first two, you really would have liked to see them get one of them. I mean, overall... In terms of where they're at in the standings, where they're at in the wild card, the split works, especially when you're kind. You're basically trying to tread above water with Harper out and with a couple starters down. And I, I guess it's okay in the bigger picture, but it really would have been nice to take one of those last two. I agree. Uh, you got 11 hits the one night, only got three runs. Eight hits last night, only got the one run. Uh, so that was what was more frustrating to me was the fact that they couldn't scratch out more runs in the series. And even the two games they won, they couldn't really get a hold. So uh, what are you seeing from the offense the last couple, you know, these last four games with the Cardinals here? I mean, the Cardinals are a pretty good team with some pretty good pitching. So you probably didn't expect to score a lot of runs against the Cardinals. That's really where a lot of the Cardinals' success has come from. And, you know, if you look up and down the lineup with the Cardinals, not a lot of the names that used to be there. I mean, unless you count Pujols, who's like a hundred now. But uh, but but Pujols, he, he's one of those best games of his twenty twenty two season uh, against the Phillies. So, you know, I, I think that overall, you didn't expect to score a lot. It would have been nice to get more, but you know, eventually, when you're down Harper, and if again, if the Real Mutos and the Castellanos aren't producing, you're probably not going to get a whole whole lot of offense out of this team for right now. All right, Frank, let's dive into the mailbag. A couple questions here, and there's a lot of questions again this week. You can obviously see people want this team to win. They want to see success. Let's start with Tom. He wants to know what prospects do you see most likely to be dangled for the trade deadlines? I like this question from Tom because we know the Phillies' uh, system 
Not all that deep, but there are some names that are starting to, you know, this is almost like uh, back in the, the early 2000s where you heard, you know, Jason Donald and they had uh, Carlos Carrasco and Kyle Drayback and, uh, man, they had a bunch of names that we heard a lot. None of them really amounted to much, by the way. Uh, but where is the Phillies' ability to dangle prospects now? Well, we all kind of know that the top two starters in the Philly system, Andrew Painter and Mick Abel, are probably not going to be traded. Now, you just mentioned Kyle, Kyle Drabeck. He's a name I actually mentioned in my response because back in 2009, late 2009, the Phillies were willing to trade him in order to get Roy Halladay. But the reality is there's no Roy Halladay sitting out there for the Phillies to acquire. So they're going to hold on to their two big arms. That's absolutely for sure. Now, the third name on that list is going to be Logan Ohapi, the catching prospect. There have been a couple whispers out there from some that the Phillies might be willing to trade Ohapi if they are able to get a piece that's controllable for a few years. You know, considering you kind of project as somebody who can start as a catcher in the major leagues, uh, that's that's something that's not easy to give up. But if you're going to get something in return that you can get a few years out of, well, then maybe you're willing to do that. Uh, but I, I think it would have to take a pretty strong deal for the Phillies to trade a hobby. Now, beyond that, now, by the way, Baseball America just came out last night, uh, and after I wrote this piece, uh, Griff McGarry is is number four Phillies prospect, and, and according to Baseball America, they have four top 100 prospects. It was actually kind of puts them ahead of most teams at this point if uh, you're counting out the number of prospects on the, the top 100. So that that's good news. Um, but, you know, with the Phillies, certainly since I'm talking about catchers, they do have some catching depth. Now, Donnie Sands is a name that the Phillies picked up along with Nick Nelson from the New York Yankees this past off season. He's been hitting the cover off the ball at AAA, batting like three thirty three throughout the season there. And, of course, they have Raphael Marchand, who is going to be called up for the Toronto series and, and viewed highly by many teams as well that might be looking for a catcher. So, so it wouldn't be shocking if they trade from their, their catching depth uh, to make a deal done this this trade deadline. And also they got a couple prospects in center field in Simone Muziati and Johan Rojas. Uh, if, if you can trade one of them and keep the other, I think the Phillies would be more likely to trade Muziati, Rojas's a prospect that projects a little bit higher in the Philly system, uh, but they might be willing to give him up for, for the right deal. And even, uh, you know, Mickey Moniak. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, any of the guys, other than Painter and Abel, because I don't think they're going to trade them, but any of those, uh, the next group of guys, have enough value to get you something back in return that will be helpful enough to make a difference in, in a pennant race. I, I think so. I mean, what's kind of happened the last couple of years is teams have really overvalued their prospects uh, to the point where you can't get a whole, whole lot from a team. You know, some of the big trades that have taken place, you know, when Nolan Arenado, who, of course, has just wreaked havoc on the Phillies the last week and a half, uh, when he went from the Rockies to the Cardinals, a lot of people said afterwards, like, man, that, that, that didn't take any of their top prospects to make the deal. So... I think there's a possibility because there's such a premium on prospects. Now, what 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 might happen, and I'll circle back to Moniac for a second, there might be a team out there that would take a shot on a Moniac. You know, if you're, for, for example, if you're the Kansas City Royals who might trade a couple outfielders, they might trade Andrew Benatendi, they might trade Michael A. Taylor. 
if you're going to trade one of those guys, you probably need somebody to play center field the rest of the way. And, you know, the Phillies right now in their situation, they can't just throw Mickey Moniak in center field and say, yeah, go for it. Play every day. We'll see what you can do. Since that, that's not an option for the Phillies, it might be an option for the Kansas City Royals, who might look at Moniak and see some upside. So I can see a trade like that taking place where you might be able to trade Moniak to get some value in return, but it's got to be the right situation that he can actually play every day and sort of build that value, which kind of, which, which is kind of the mark of a team that's in contention. You can't let the young guys necessarily go out there and play every day. Now we're seeing that with Bryson Stott a little bit. He hasn't hit that great. And because they're in the race, what's probably going to happen is as they get the Matons and the Camargos back on track, you know, they're going to see a lot of time at second base in favor over Stott. So, uh, now the Phillies have the luxury of, of being able to, to mix the match guys and wait Stott out, but, but Moniak is probably at that point in his career where he's got to play every day for somebody, and there might be some teams out there that still see some value in him, of course, the, the former first overall pick, and maybe he could get you something. I don't know what kind of piece, but maybe a, a useful piece on a playoff team. Um, we'll get into uh, some of the other questions. Let's go, go back into the mailbag here uh, from James, who wants to know, uh, the Phillies desperately need a starting pitcher who is a realistic option who could make a difference. Maybe one of the guys we just mentioned could get you. You know, Merrill Kelly of the Diamondbacks, that's the name I keep coming back to because he seems to fit everything that the Phillies would want. And he's on a team that's not a playoff contender that is probably going to be looking to pick up talent. And Merrill Kelly is somebody that's going to have a couple of years control after this year. So he might be the type of guy that the Phillies are willing to actually give up Ohapi for. I say maybe. I mean, it depends on the whole deal. And, you know, one thing we saw about Dombrowski, by the way, I'm sort of sidetracking a little bit, but when he made the deal with the Rangers last year, he did get a pitching prospect back in Hans Kraus when he traded Spencer Howard. So, you know, maybe he could swing a deal again where he gets somebody back from the Diamondbacks that might be a lesser prospect, but a prospect nonetheless. But Merrill Kelly is somebody that could go right in that starting rotation. Uh, he's not the overwhelming dominant type pitcher, but he's he's kind of a center to, to, to back end of the rotation uh, piece. You know, and as we saw losing Ranger Suarez and Zach Eflin, the Phillies really need some stability in that starting rotation. Uh, they, 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 they've been going with Christopher Sanchez for the most part, although he, he wasn't actually the starter the other day. And tonight, another bullpen game. Now, that's not a sustainable way to do things. So the Phillies really need to get one of those two starters back soon and then acquire another. And I like, I really do like Merrill Kelly. And, you know, Martin Perez, we keep talking about Martin Perez, uh, just named to the American League All-Star team for his return season to Texas. And, you know, he's somebody that's in a different category. He's just a rental. So I think it might take a lesser collection of prospects to get Martin Perez. And one of the, one of the things that the Phillies have going for them uh, in a trade for Perez is, you know, that the Rangers scouted the Philly system last year. They probably have their eye on a couple pieces that maybe weren't part of last year's trade, but maybe would be part of this year's trade if they make a deal. So he might be helpful. And, and another name that's going to be kind of a hot commodity is Jose Quintana. Uh, you might remember him uh, once had an all-star season with the Chicago White Sox, but the Pittsburgh Pirates picked him up on a one-year $2 million deal. So he doesn't cost a lot of money in salary, and the expectation is being as a veteran like him who struggled in recent seasons, the prospect return might be kind of low. Now, the problem with that is 
you got a whole lot of teams calling the Pirates looking for Jose Quintana. But if the Phillies have the right piece that the Pirates want, that could be another starter that you could put in the rotation. So um, beyond that, by the way, I just want to throw this out there, but David Robertson, the former Philly who barely pitched on his two-year contract, uh, Cubs might move him. He's in the bullpen, but I can see him being somebody that might come back in a trade as well. Maybe the Phillies will finally get something out of Robertson, but it uh, shouldn't cost too much on the contract he has with the Cubs. All right, Frank Close, uh, Phillies mailbag. There's some more questions in the mailbag. Uh, let's get into some questions regarding this team right now. Uh, Alec Bohm diagnosed with a disloaded, lo- dislocated left ring finger. Now, he was not eligible to play in these two games anyway, but uh, what's the thought on how long he could be out? Well, a lot of this is still evolving. You know, they, they did pop the finger back into place, according to reports, but uh, it's definitely going to leave him day to day. Now, as you said, he wasn't going to play today or tomorrow <laughs> anyway. He's going to get a couple days off uh, kind of from his vaccination status and not being able to enter Canada. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think they're still evaluating. They're They're going to take this day to day, see if they need to. Uh, I suppose the possibility remains. Uh, he could end up on the injured list if he feels pain. Uh, but it's kind of hard because he's not with the team in Canada. So uh, we might not know the answer to that for a couple of days. Now, if they do need to put him on the injured list when they get back from uh, Toronto, they can always backdate the injured list in so that it's a shorter one because um, you, you can do that if he hasn't played. So they can always backdate it to yesterday. And they have the replacement players ready while he's on the injured list. So I think we're not going to find out what's happening with Alec Bohm for real until like for for like a final diagnosis until the Phillies get to Miami. But but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely concerning when all of a sudden your best players are going down with, with finger injuries. He was somebody who was actually kind of hitting pretty well the last several days, and uh, you know it's going to it's going to be a, a real blow to the Phillies lineup, which has struggled to score runs. The last few days, they're, they're going to really miss his bat. But again, they would have missed his bat the next two days anyway. Uh, if he's out for a week, two weeks, uh, what happens at third base? Uh, you got a lot of injuries. Well, now. it looks like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know it, it really just keeps piling up. But, you know, the Phillies are getting Johan Camargo back in, in the near future. Um, the Phillies did not announce all their roster moves yet uh, because I believe they were waiting for uh, some players that might be on the 60-day IL to come off, which would have which would have had a domino effect on on other types of moves. So we're we're, wait, we're watching the transactions. Uh, would make a lot of sense if if Johan Camargo comes back to the Phillies for this series in Toronto, and if he does, then he might be your extra piece, and you leave everybody else as it is if Bohm is on the injured list. And Nick Maton has just started his rehab. He was DHing for Clearwater, uh, waiting to hear uh, what the next steps are for him. But he's probably going to need some more early get bats. But at least it looks like Camargo and Maton are on the mend, which would give the Phillies some extra infielders. And, and it could delay the Phillies needing to make a choice about uh, like a Jairo Munoz, uh, who probably would have been the candidate to go to the minor leagues or to be probably outrighted off the roster or, or subject to waivers uh, in the next few days. So, But Camargo coming back will at least solve the problem in the interim. 
and uh, we'll see what happens long term. But at least they're getting Camargo back. Yeah. All right. Um, and then there's Real Muto, who's not going to play the next two games either. Uh, same reason, no vaccine. Well, not same reason. Uh, Bone can't play because of the vaccination, but now he's hurt. Uh, Real Muto's out because of no vaccination. And then last night, of course, he says, well, uh, not for a little bit of money. Who really cares? 260000 bucks. But uh, what happens in a catching spot now? Well, I would imagine Garrett Stubbs starts at least one. I wouldn't be shocked if they give Raphael Marchand the other. Uh, certainly, Phillies fans remember Marchand coming up for a bit last year. He played pretty well in the major leagues. Um, he was on the injured list a little bit this year at, at AAA Lehigh Valley. I think the Phillies would like to take the opportunity to see him catch one of the games. Uh, maybe, depending, again, we're, wait, we're awaiting all these transactions because of, again, ripple effects from the 60-day IL. But, uh, but maybe he'll catch some of the guys he's used to catching, I guess, maybe tonight. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think now. They, <laughs> I guess it's Bilotti that's going first, so the, the bullpen game. So that's probably what they would do. I wouldn't be shocked if Marshawn catches the first, if there's a lot of players expecting to pitch that Marshawn has caught recently. And then certainly Garrett Stubbs would, would take a turn this week anyway, so uh, might as well be him on the second game. So uh, so I think that's a pretty easy fix since they're going to have Marshawn. The Phillies did say they are going to have Marshawn for this two-game series, but that was the only thing they really gave us a heads-up about. Uh, of course, Phillies, Blue Jays, and then uh, Miami this weekend. I don't like this. Uh, I don't like the way this road trip is ending here uh, with the two losses, and then you got these two games, and then you know you always struggle seemingly in Miami. You know those guys are four games back. Uh, this would be a disastrous end of the road trip if you are in a position where the Marlins can kind of nip at your heels here in the uh, in the wild card standings, right? I mean, uh, these are some pretty important games leading into the All-Star break. Yeah, I would agree. I guess my big concern would be that the Phillies kind of limping into this All-Star break, uh, kind of see the All-Star break as the time to recoup before they get there and they lose a few of these games. The, yeah, the, Philly, the Phillies do need to show up against Miami in this series. Uh, ideally, you take at least one out Toronto. I mean, it feels like such a competitive disadvantage with all the Phillies have going on in terms of injuries and then to lose Boehm and Real Muto, and uh, that, that feels like a blow. And then, of course, they had to you know, rearrange the pitching rotation because two of their starters wouldn't have been eligible there anyway. So they've just got to get a game in Toronto. And ideally, two out of three against Miami, but um, you know, you got to hope at least mentally the Phillies are still in the game. They're not looking to that all-star break, you know, because after the all-star break, maybe they get one of their starting pitchers back. You feel a lot better afterwards, but, uh, but the Phillies definitely are limping into this all-star break. They're going to need it really badly. And, uh, you, they did, but they can't get, get ahead of themselves here. They need to win some games before this all-star break. Uh, because you really need them to at least, and I, I know it's, it doesn't sound like it, it's overly optimistic, but they need to do the best they possibly can to be about even in, in a lot of these games until they're back to full strength, because if they can at least hold where they are a few games over the 500 mark, that'll keep them in it as they start to, to get some of their pieces back and can move forward. But I will say this, though, after the All-Star break, the Phillies still have one of those, and again, this happened last year, and it didn't really work out, they still have a, a uh, an opponent's record, which is a losing record the rest of the way. So you just really got to hope that you can hang in there best as humanly possible. And then when you're back to full strength, really do some damage against the teams that are struggling. 
Uh, real quick, we've got this question uh, a couple times uh, on the text board about uh, Schwarber in the Derby. Do you have any problems? A lot of guys lose their swing after that. Uh, do you have any problem with Schwarber uh, in the home run derby? I don't. I don't think so with Schwarber because all he does is hit home runs anyway, right? So, <laughs> if anything, maybe he can work on that home run swing. You know, I think the only time that really that really that really bothered me was the Bobby Abreu year, right? If you remember, he wins the home run derby because he switched his swing to win the home run derby, and then never really found his swing again. Uh, I think Kyle Schwarber, his power naturally goes for the home runs. And I think someone like Schwarber doesn't need to change himself to go approach this home run derby. And I honestly, I think this will be a lot of fun to watch because Kyle Schwarber has shown that power. He's leading the National League at home runs. It makes sense that he's there. I, I don't really have any concerns about him uh, changing too much to go into this home run derby uh, like Abreu did. Abreu did, and of course, the time Chase Utley was in, you know, Chase Utley changed nothing, and he barely hit a home run, right? So. <laughs> So I think I think this one's an easy one. I think I think Schwarber will be okay. All right, Dave wants to know. This is an interesting question. Um, with the uh, Angels organization basically can't get out of its own way here, do you think they would ever consider trading Mike Trout and that contract? while they have the chance? Uh, and and would Dave Dombrowski uh, throw the farm at them if they knew Trout was available? This is the dream that will never die, right? South Jersey's own Mike Trout coming back and playing in his, <laughs> for his home team, Philadelphia Phillies. But I have to say, Dave, you got to keep dreaming. Uh, the Angels have no interest in making a Mike Trout trade. And, and I, I, I kind of threw the question back onto Dave here because if I said to him, you know, if the Phillies were struggling, would you say, oh, trade, trade Bryce Harper while you can? Uh, his reaction might be, well, no, 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 no. We, we need to build around Bryce Harper and win. Well, I think that's kind of where the Angels are at, you know, especially when you consider the Angels don't have just Mike Trout. They also have Shohei Otani. They also have a slugger, albeit he's hurt this year, uh, at third base and Anthony Rendon. Uh, the Angels have a lot invested in their offense, and they, they want to do what the Phillies want to do right now, is win while your superstar is in his prime. And uh, <laughs> the Angels, the, their owner, Marte Moreno, he just wants to win, 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 win. And I don't think that he would ever take a step back and say, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll go on this four- or five-year rebuild, and therefore we'll trade Mike Trout. In his mind, he's got the best player in the game. He wants to build around that best player in the game and make him the centerpiece of the team that's going to win going forward. Now, of course, besides Trout's little slump, if you look at his numbers now at the, the All-Star break, he's still his old self. You know, just forget about that minor little slump. Uh, like he had against the Phillies. He's he's still Mike Trout. He's still one of the best players in the game. And I think the Angels never, ever want to give him up. Uh, <laughs> they just want to keep winning with Mike Trout. They didn't let him go to free agency. They paid him a ton of money because there's only one Mike Trout, and he's priceless. I think Mike Trout will, will be there forever. Uh, all right, Frank Close, Phillies mailbag, and Phillies take on... Uh, the Blue Jays, Andrew Bellotti, does get to start tonight. He's the, uh, I guess they'll call him the opener tonight. He'll pitch probably about an inning, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So this will be the second time they need to go uh, with a bullpen game. Bellotti the start tonight for the Phillies in Toronto against the Blue Jays. And, of course, no Ramuto, no Bohm. And uh, we'll have more coverage tomorrow here on the Sports Bash of the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Frank Close has the Phillies mailbag over. 
at 973ESPN.com. And of course, every Tuesday, right here on the Sports Path. All right, Frank, appreciate it, bud. Hey, great to talk to you, Mike. All right, you too. And there's Frank Close, 973ESPN.com, our own Phillies insider. Of course, Frank has been on the beat for. About six years now covering this Phillies team and well plugged in when it comes to the Phils. And, you know, I agree with the Trout thing. I mean, when you have Trout, you unless he really asks to get out of there, I don't think they're all that interested in trying to move him. You know, it's a, it's a franchise that doesn't have a lot of history. You have a player like Trout, it's hard just to say, you know what, we can't figure it out, let's just move on. Sometimes, you know... Keep in mind, baseball is a two-tier sport. It's a haves and a haves-nots. Some of these teams are here just to make money. They get so much money from the CBA for just basically treading water to have Mike Trout a part of your organization. You would have to get an absolute haul back in return. And a lot of times in baseball, you're getting back prospects which are so unknown. Uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, Coming up, Kevin Durso, the Flyers with the controversial decision they made today. But what is next after that decision they made today with free agency opening tomorrow? We'll talk to Kevin Durso in about 15 minutes. Stick around. Now, back to the Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. ESPN. 3.31 on a Sports Bash Tuesday. Don't forget, download the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. If you have the app, you can enter to win Dave Matthews Band tickets. You want to go see DMB Friday night in Camden, get the app. Download the app to your phone and enter to win. Fill out the form. I'll call out the winning name on Friday, excuse me, on Thursday night at 5 o'clock. You're going to see Dave Matthews Band on Friday night in Camden. So get the free mobile app, download it to win great tickets. We've been giving away tickets all summer long here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. Don't forget uh, that Phillies uh, matchup tonight with the Blue Jays. We will certainly get you the lineup as soon as that is out. I think... um, Oh, by the way, Phillies lineup just out. 20 seconds ago, we've got uh, Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Hall, Gregorius, Stott, Veerling, Herrera, Stubbs. So Veerling gets the call at third base tonight. Bellotti's the starting pitcher. Schwarber in left, Hoskins at first, Castellanos in right, Hall the DH, DD at short, Stott at second, Veerling at third, Herrera in center, and Stubbs in center field. That is, excuse me, in Stubbs, Herrera in center field. Stubbs the catcher. That's your Phillies lineup tonight uh, for their matchup uh, with the Blue Jays in Toronto. So you get that opportunity there to kind of uh, check out uh, 
Veerling at third base. The, the interesting thing about Veerling is he's moved up in the lineup into the Bohm spot, too. So Veerling is now playing third base and has more, um, you know, responsibility as he's hitting a little bit higher in the lineup. Where's that? You got Stott here, there hitting two. I mean, we got Castellanos three, four, five. Stott's hitting six. Veerling's hitting seven. So Stott now moves himself up in the order, too. So there's the domino effect of not having real Muto, right? He's typically would be hitting in the uh, five spot. Now DD goes there. So there's one. And then Bone being out, he's usually six. So um, you uh, also lose. So you're losing basically five and six hole hitters here. So you got to move two guys up. And you have an opportunity to, uh, or you're going to have to take this opportunity without those two guys uh, to get a couple of wins in Toronto. Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Um, so there's a lot of Flyers stuff that is happening right now. Now, free agency begins tomorrow, and the Flyers are obviously, you know, they, they are a team to watch, I think. The opening of the free agent period should be pretty interesting. They should be one of the pretty interesting teams to watch. We definitely know that Johnny Goudreau's on their radar, right? They made the trade for Tony D'Angelo last week, uh, or or was that earlier this week? I guess it was last week on Friday. Now they have free agency opening tomorrow. Johnny Goudreau has highly been tied to them. So when we come back, we'll talk to Kevin Durso, our Flyers insider, who's been all over this story. Uh, what are some of the things that they would need to do to get Johnny Goudreau here? Because they made a move today that's a little controversial. They have to make another move, probably. We'll get into that. Flyers conversation with free agency tomorrow. Kevin Durso previews it all. Coming up next here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to more For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, we're going to check out the Flyers free agency tomorrow. And uh, their name has constantly been attached to some big names. One big name is Johnny Goudreau. So we'll see how... Uh, prevalent of a possibility. That is Kevin Durso, 973ESPN.com, covers the Flyers. Uh, they made a move today. We'll get into that as well with Kevin and see what's next for the Flyers, uh, who uh, I guess a lot of people are keeping their eye on this Flyers team with free agency set to begin. They got the ball rolling today, Kevin, with uh, a move uh, that I guess is somewhat controversial as they uh, have waived or they're going to buy out Oscar Limblom here. So give us the reasoning behind that. What are they trying to accomplish? They're trying to open up cap space. So by buying out Oscar Limblom's final year of his contract, because he's under 26, it allows for more cap relief as a result. So they get th- the $3 million back that he would have made next season and a little bit more, actually. So the overall net here is $3.3 million. There is a little bit of a penalty next season, but they're obviously not thinking that far ahead at this point. They're just worried about trying to open up some cap space in the here and now. 
And this move gives them $3.33 million of cap space, whether, you know, the, obvi- the obvious reason it's, it's controversial is because you're looking at a guy who was a fan favorite player, everything that he went through to come back from cancer and making his return. And the city just embraced that him in that challenge that he had in life and his victory over it. And obviously, you know, but the it's like any other sport. This is a business and they're doing something to free up some money because it's a business decision to try to position themselves for something else. Right. So uh, Chuck Fletcher makes the move. You mentioned they get a crap credit here. Um, and this will be the possibility to open up some cap space. It will clear about $3.3 million. They prepare for free agency tomorrow. There's been some talk about JVR's future tied to this move here, trying to clear out cap space. What do we know about JVR and his future? Well, if the Flyers are trying. That much I can tell you. It. It's not looking good at the moment because, as you would expect with a player like JVR, who, again, is kind of one of these specialist-type players, yeah, he can still score 20, 25, 30 goals a season potentially, but that's really all he's known for is being that guy you can put net front on a power play, things like that. So if with a $7 million cap hit, that's not something that teams are willing to throw you a lifeline on and take away just for nothing. There's a good chance that if in order to do this, the Flyers are going to have to attach a sweetener to the deal in some way, and there's a good chance that it's quite possibly the 2024 first-round pick that they got back in the Claude Giroux trade if they want to free up the entire contract. Uh, obviously, that's something that they're debating with because first-round picks are important assets, but you know, to, to on one hand, I'd keep all the first-round picks I could keep my hands on, but at the same time, they've already kind of made their decision on some parts of this by when they you know trading three draft picks for Tony D'Angelo. I, I don't know in, in hindsight that, you know, I get he, I get he was an RFA, but I don't know if I would have made a move to address the Ryan Ellis issue if you were still going to be trying to do this, getting this close to free agency, because I think everything hinges upon trading JVR at this point to do what they really want to do. And if they can't do it, then I, I think they have 24 hours and the possibility of that's going to be over anyway. So they really are running on little time here to make what they want to have happen, happen. All right. So, uh, the move with uh, Oscar Lindblom, they're trying to move JVR, but apparently Chuck Fletcher does not want to pay the asking price, which means, hey, well, you got to attach a pick with that if you want us to take on a salary. They don't seem wor- uh, willing to do it. So if they can't get rid of JVR, what does that mean for a Johnny Goudreau deal? It means it's not going to happen. Simple as that. If they can't trade JVR, they will not have the cap space to even be players for Johnny Goudreau. It's it's that simple, and then they have to pivot their off season, and who knows where it goes from there. I, I can't see them being even without trading JVR. I can't see them being players for any other top name free agent. So now you're kind of looking at that middle tier again, and you don't really do a whole lot to move the needle from last season, and it, it kind of tears down everything that they are trying to do in this aggressive retool that they're that they're approaching here. And I, I just don't know where it would go from here to be honest i don't know any other name that they've been linked to as much as Gaudreau. it's pretty obvious that by buying out limblom and trying to trade jvr that's what they're trying to free the cap space for and i just don't know if they can do it at this point uh, it's it seems like unless chuck fletcher's going to come around to the idea of that pick being part of a jvr deal they're not going to be able to find a way to make this happen um right and then you just kind of mentioned okay what's next you, you, you get rid of limblom 
and you can't trade JVR, did you basically get rid of Limbaum for no reason? Or did they look back and say, look, he's a nice guy. We love this story. He wasn't helping us out. Or were they look back and kind of say, oh, man, we wish we didn't do that? I think it's kind of in between there. That they, I think they'd be able to look back on it and say we didn't have to do that to ultimately get where they are now. I don't, I don't think that buying out Oscar Limblom means that they wouldn't have been able to afford Tony D'Angelo's contract. It's it, What it's going to mean is that it allows them to do something else, whatever that means, I don't really know. I mean, at my best guess at this point is that, first of all, the situation with Ivan Fedotov leaves them with a goaltending hole a little bit because, yeah, they can go with Felix Sandstrom as the backup to Carter Hart, but I think they want to have some form of competition in training camp, so they're going to probably sign somebody to a low-end deal there. They, they probably still have questions about the defensive end. I mean, right now at the moment, Nick Sealer is part of the regular six, and I doubt they want to go into the season with that. And then certainly they want to address the forward position, but it wouldn't be Johnny Gaudreau in that case. So, you know, again, they could try to see what they could dig up here, but I don't think it's going to be anything substantial. So it, it, it's really, again, it leaves you just scratching your head. What exactly are they trying to accomplish here? Like, if they are able to pull off what they're trying to accomplish with Gaudreau, then it's obvious what they were trying to accomplish. But if that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what the method behind the madness is here. Right. I mean, so if tomorrow comes and Johnny Goudreau is back in Calgary or someplace else, uh, you would say that this offseason is what? <laughs> That at this point, that this was a whole lot of nothing that they backed themselves into a corner on. Because, to be honest, at this point, if they didn't get D'Angelo last weekend and still had the five million dollars that they signed him to, they they might still be the JVR move away, and they actually might not even have to try to. They might have a little bit more negotiating leverage in that deal because they could possibly even retain salary on JVR if they weren't trying to account for five million dollars more that D'Angelo is going to get now. And realistically, you could have even worked around Limblom's $3 million by getting all the way through the offseason, getting to the end of training camp, putting him on waivers, and letting him pass through. Because most teams don't have that kind of cap space when the season's about to start and would probably be able to pass him through waivers and bring him back up if you put Ryan Ellis on long-term injured reserve. Now you wipe that possibility out because Limblom's not going to be here anymore. You're struggling to trade JVR. And... Basically, you're putting all your eggs in the Johnny Gaudreau basket that this is going to happen that way. And if it doesn't, there's going to have to be a necessary pivot. But I just don't know that anything is going to change the way that this offseason looks. It's going to be, you know, even if they do get Gaudreau at this point, it sounds like Gaudreau would be the only thing they could do. So they would be basically adding Gaudreau and D'Angelo, and that would be the extent of their offseason. And I just don't notice that much of a change from what they previously were to say they're improved in any way, shape, or form. It's kind of... Just a roundabout way of moving assets to get not a lot much. I mean, Gaudreau's a great player, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't really move the needle forward in terms of where they're going to be collectively as a team. Uh, you wrote about, uh, right or wrong, Flyers going all in on an aggressive offseason. So if they can't get Goudreau, is there another aggressive play that they can shift their focus to, or do, do they end up with egg on their face? Probably a little bit more of the latter there, I would say. I, I mean, the only other aggressive play they could really try to make at this point is if suddenly, because I don't get the impression that they're interested in, in or, or that they're trying to move a player like Ivan Provorov or Travis Sandheim. I think they're willing to listen on anybody at this point, but I don't get the impression that they're trying. Maybe that's where you do something different. And it, it comes from totally out of left field because it's not where their focus is right now. So it would be something that came 
out of the blue kind of and maybe that's how you try to address a need or get a bigger name in here but that's again that's certainly a, a big pivot from what the game plan seems to be right now everything revolving around the idea of adding a name like Gaudreau and trying to free up this cap space and if it doesn't happen I just don't know that they, they even have the capability to pivot at this point like it just feels like they're running in circles spinning their wheels and not really sure where to go if this doesn't work right uh Kevin Durso 97.3 ESPN.com. Uh, is there a name or two that you would have interest in that's available out there? Like, okay, we, we, we got to scramble and go to plan B or C. Uh, is there anything that would make sense? I mean, there, there's a couple of nice players that I, that I would say they could try to add in, but for the most part, not on the level of what they are trying to do now. Gaudreau is pretty much the prize of the offseason, so they're not going to do anything like that because I, I don't think that if they – if they price themselves out for Gaudreau at this point, they're going to price themselves out for Nazem Kadri and guys like that. So they really can't even look at the top tier. There's a few guys who are who were restricted free agents that didn't get qualifying offers, so they become unrestricted. They can sign anywhere they like tomorrow. Maybe you look at some of those guys. Chicago chose not to qualify a guy like Dylan Strom, who would play center, or maybe a Dominic Kubalik who plays on the wing. Maybe you look at... On the, on the lower end and a bottom six type role, you look at a guy like Danton Heinen who didn't get a qualifying offer from Pittsburgh. But those are minor moves that just kind of round out your offseason, not necessarily ones that promote the aggressive retool that they talked about. So I don't really know that there is another move that meets the aggressive retool thing. It would be more of treading water or, or worse, potentially. Uh, now, there was a report a couple hours ago against Frank Cervalli who says that the Flames have reportedly offered Goudreau a contract in excess of eight years and $80 million. I mean, do we even know that Goudreau is going to hit the open market? I think it's still likely that he does, just because I think by now, the only reason that this is becoming a, a kind of an aggressive play on Calgary's part is because they can still offer that eighth year until tomorrow. If he were to sign today, the eighth year is in play, and that's what they're that, that's really the leverage that Calgary's trying to utilize right now is we can give you one more year of term that nobody else can. But beyond that, I, I don't know I still think he's interested in seeing what's out there because whether it's in Philadelphia or whether it's somewhere else nearby, I think he has an interest in playing on the East Coast. Definitely watch for the New Jersey Devils in that case because they do already have the cap space they could be in. You know, I've kind of heard the Islanders are a dark horse team that would possibly look into him. And certainly there's others out there that are along the East Coast that would fit what he's looking for, that would put him much closer to home and yet give him a chance to play on a potentially solid team. So uh, I'm curious to see what ends up happening with this. Obviously, the, he's always wanted to be a flyer, and I'm sure he would love if they could make it happen. But they can't offer him what they would really want to offer him until they clear out this cap space. And I just don't know that that's going to happen anymore. Is, is right now that is he and that the biggest uh, move in the offseason? For the whole league, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. He's he's the prize tomorrow. So it, whether he stays in Calgary, and we've seen this a little bit already. There's a couple of free agents that didn't make it. Philip Forsberg for Nashville did take the eighth year and re-upped there. And... Val Nichushkin for who for Colorado chose to re-sign as well. So some guys don't make it, but there's an awful lot of them this year that are t taking their chance and testing the market. I mean, one of the other big ones, and he's not gonna he's not at the level of Gaudreau at this point in his career because he's much older. But if Genny Malkin from Pittsburgh is testing the market, and that's gonna put you know that, that's kind of names that are out there this year to an extent, and you know we'll see what happens from there. But 
certainly Gaudreau is the prize, I think, of, of all of them. Now, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, he's the prize. He's the biggest name, and he's got local ties, and it seems that this name's come up for a while. But in your mind, was this the right plan for the Flyers? You know, I think, like, I understood their plan when we talked about the, the trade for Debrinket, why, you know, they were involved, but they didn't want to part ways with the fifth pick. The lack of commitment there because they he could leave in two years i i think their intention here with gaudreau would be if they could sign him for seven years that it obviously wouldn't take seven years for them to be back in a position where they're a good team again the issue with that is, is that if this doesn't work out and you've done all these other steps then i i think you've taken a step backwards because you're you're kind of continuing to dig your own grave in terms of getting out of the mess that you're in and taking steps forward. I mean, at some point in time, they've got to admit what they are. And they, I know that that word is not in their vocabulary, that the, the other R word that they refuse to use, not the retool one. And, you know, I just don't understand what they're trying to accomplish here. If this doesn't happen the way it does, because it's pretty obvious that this is the move they're going for. But if this doesn't happen and pretty much you're left, you know, caught with your pants down because of the fact that you didn't have a backup plan. Well, then that doesn't really the, the the front office that already doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence from the fan base is only going to lose even more to the point where I don't know that anybody's going to trust a single thing they do because uh, that's that's where we're headed. Kevin Durso covers the Flyers, 97.3 ESPN.com. Tomorrow, free agency. If something happens, Kevin underscore Durso. Follow him there. And right here on the Sports Bash, we'll have updates on the Flyers' free agency. All right, Kevin. Appreciate it, pal. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, there he goes. Kevin Durso. Uh, with news on the Flyers, tomorrow free agency begins. Will Johnny Goudreau be a Flyer? Well, they're going to have to move JVR, as you heard him say, to make that happen. How realistic is that? Eh, 50-50, I'll give it. Sports Pass brought to you by East Coast Roofing, Siding, and Windows, serving all of South Jersey. If you call, they'll show up online at eastcoastroofing.com. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app powered by First Bank of Sea Isle. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. And Football 4 is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It is brought to you by the Atlantic City Airport. Plan your next vacation now. Spirit Airlines is offering nonstop flights from Boston Atlantic City International Airport to Boston, excuse me, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami, and other exciting destinations. Visit spirit.com. Adam Kaplan is here today for Football at 4. We'll take a look at some of the uh, NFC East questions and issues. We'll continue on that. We've covered the uh, Giants and Cowboys today. We'll take a look at the Commanders a little bit and some questions regarding this Commanders team uh, that obviously, um, you know, we talked about division champions in the NFC East, and they have not had one in quite some time. Uh, They had one a couple of years ago, but they have been at the bottom of the barrel uh, since 1997 when we went back to how far uh, NFC championships. We went back to 97. They have the least amount of NFC East championships since that time frame and you take a look back at um 
you know, the commanders in the 80s, uh, in the early 90s. I mean, they were uh, the, them and, you know, really were the class of the division, right? You had uh, those teams with uh, Doug Williams and Jay Schrader. Uh, you had a different quarterback kind of leading the way for them each time. They definitely uh, have been a team that has had some quarterback issues. They wonder if they fix that problem with, of course, um, Carson Wentz. And we'll get into that with uh, Adam Kaplan here from uh, Inside the Birds dot com and the Inside the Birds podcast. We'll we'll get his thoughts. You know, the the Wentz thing is he the answer at quarterback for this team? That is really the biggest thing. And I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, whether or not Wentz can still play. Did he have a bad year last year? The numbers said, well, he played okay. So then why did the uh, Indianapolis Colts trade him? It's one of those things where the numbers and his play didn't add up. There's been a lot of uh, questions about his um, leadership ability. They had those questions here in Philadelphia. They seem to carry over to Indianapolis to the point that Frank Reich could not really uh, save his job out there either. So I think this will be a very interesting conversation with Adam Kaplan from InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast as we uh, take, a t- uh, take a closer look now uh, at the Washington Commanders. Uh, and uh, InsideTheBirds.com and the Inside the Birds podcast is covering the NFC East on all Inside the Birds platforms with NFL Films guru Greg Cosell this Thursday and the following three shows after that. They will take a deep dive deep into the NFC East. We on Football at Four with Adam have looked at uh, the Eagles and the Giants and the Cowboys. And now, Adam Kaplan, it's time to take a look at the Washington Commanders. Seven and ten last year. Uh, this is a team that uh, has the least amount of NFC East championships going back to 1997. And uh, some people like this team, though. The, the roster's starting to, uh, you know, they've got some talent. I guess the quarterback would be the one spot. So let's dive into the commanders. Adam, how are you? Good. Good to talk to you, Mike. Yeah, they, they definitely are a team that's interesting. In fact, I would tell you every one of these teams in the NFC East, they have some just a lot of interesting storylines. With, with Wentz, being the Washington Commanders quarterback, you have a storyline, obviously. can he, he? Now he's been on three teams in three years. Can he revive his career? Is this it for Carson Wentz? That's what a lot of people have asked me. And what I would tell you is he's healthy. He played fairly well last season. We know it ended terribly. He wasn't vaccinated. Um, that cost him because he wasn't able to practice against uh, leading up to the Jacksonville game. He was terrible in that game. But, by the way, he wasn't the only one who didn't play well. Their defense didn't play well. So, anyway, uh, the Colts, they didn't want him. They wanted to get rid of him. They're very public about it. So they moved him to Washington. Washington gave up pretty good compensation. Uh Washington will have to make a decision on Wentz's contract by mid-March of next year. Uh, whether they want to trade him or, or cut him, well, obviously you'd want to trade him if you don't want him. You, you wouldn't cut him unless you absolutely had to. But if he plays well enough, he'll be back. He's got to be a better leader, no question about it. But I'll tell you this, and this is another fact that people didn't realize, despite Carson Wentz breaking his foot last season, uh, remember he had a, a stress fracture from an old injury and it, and it broke on him, he had surgery before the season and did wind up not missing a game. That shows really good toughness. Uh, he's clearly better than Taylor Heineke, no matter how you slice it, who will be the backup. Rookie Sam Howell is going to be their third-string quarterback as a fifth-rounder. Heineke, by the way, is on the last year of his deal, his last extension. So so Howell, if they move on for Wentz, and Heineke could be the last man standing. But 
Mike, they're going with Wentz this season. They feel uh, they feel like they could score. Uh, Jahan Dotson's their first-run receiver. They're going to have more talent around him. So I'm expecting to be a better football team than last year. Yeah, I mean, Wentz is an interesting, um, you know, when you look at last year, I mean, the numbers. If I just said, hey, look at this guy's numbers, you wouldn't say, man, this guy, we got to get rid of this guy. I mean, 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. I mean, he took care of the ball pretty well, something that he had trouble with in that you know, season before in Philadelphia. He threw for 3,500 yards. He took care of the ball. He had a 94 quarterback rating. Uh, so why was Indianapolis willing to, to basically give up on him? Yeah, it was a leadership issue, uh, starting with uh, owner Jim Irsay and then also uh, GM Chris Ballard backed him up on it, although Ballard was the first one to uh, to speak. But my understanding was it was Irsay the whole way who really made the call. He owns the team, and everyone was in agreement. Uh, it wasn't just the COVID issue. It was it, it just they didn't feel like he was the kind of leader you needed as a quarterback. Uh, you know, there were, there were questions we know in Philly about uh, Wentz and th- that issue. But we know this, the guy's really talented. Uh, he has to understand he's, he's got to take more responsibility uh, for being a better leader. Everyone knows the, the number one position in professional sports. No, it's not a goalie. No, it's not a point guard. It's quarterback. This is a position that everybody leads to for you to, looks to for you to lead, and you've got to do that. You've got to take responsibility when you don't play well. When you get hurt, you've got to put it on yourself. Don't point finger at teammates. Take responsibility for everything because he's still very talented. That, that's the thing that I know about Wentz, talking to people, work with him. The talent level is clearly not lost him. Is he the same quarterback before the, the ACL injury? Maybe not, but he's not too far away. As you said, Mike, numbers are pretty good overall. He's getting another chance here with Washington, but I will tell you, the one issue what Washington has on offense is their offensive line, particularly on the interior. They're not very good there. When the Eagles line up against Washington in Week 3 at Washington or Week 10 at home, that, to me, is where they can make their hay. Because you know Carson Wentz, he's not going to check it down. He's not a check-down quarterback. A lot of five- and seven-step drops. And they'll, they should be able to get to, to Wentz because the Washington is really weak in the interior. And the Eagles' defensive line will be really, really good. Now, these two teams uh, obviously play twice a year. Last year, the Eagles won both games. Uh, a fun fact on these two teams, the two teams have not split the season series going back to 2014. Uh, so uh, it, it, whoever gets that early game, that could tell us a story about this one. It's crazy. So when I gave you that stat, Mike, I, I, I always look at that stuff to see how the Eagles have done, and I kept noticing, wait a minute, no one's, they haven't had a split here in a while, and I kept going back and co- going back, and yeah, not since 2014 as uh, we've had a split every so 2015 through 2021, they someone swept each other. So, as you said, the Eagles won both games last season. Now we know what happened. <laughs> we know what happened the year before. We particularly know what happened in Doug Peterson's last game, which is an absolute disaster. When Peterson kind of mixed up uh, the playing time for uh, for uh, Hertz there, and it it, it just it, it didn't work uh, with Zach Sud- with Nate, excuse me Nate Sudfeld. That that was a mistake. Uh, my understanding was the communication, but. Yeah, I, I would say this. If you just looked at both teams right now, going forward, Eagles clearly have the better roster. You could say that the, the Washington team has the better quarterback. But here's the difference in both teams. We'll, st- we'll stay on offense. The Eagles now, with the addition of A.J. Brown and Zach Pascal from a backup standpoint, who's a good backup, by the way. He just got pre- he had a start last year because of injuries. He's just not a starter. He's a good backup. Plus, he knows their offense. If you looked at all the skill positions, Clearly, the Eagles have a better team. Offensively, uh, there's no question about it. Now, Mike, the problem with Washington, with Washington, is not that they don't have talent defense. They do. 
But last year, their defense, before Chase Young got hurt at DN, they were really bad. Like, they, we all thought, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll raise my hand, I thought they were going to be great. Oh, the f- four first-round picks on the front four. Uh, the Jamin Davis was a first rounder at linebacker, so five first round picks in their in their front seven, and they were terrible for uh, over half the season. They got together, and unfortunately, Chase Young tore his ACL. But they got to get better, Mike. This this defense can be had. There's no question if you can protect. Um, let's look at uh, you mentioned the defense, and, and we talked about Carson Wentz, but let's look at some of his weapons. Uh, and you got the running back. Antonio Gibson is one of those guys who you know I, I feel like uh, is a little bit underrated. Yeah, Gibson, unfortunately, sort of underachieved as a starting running back. You know, let's not forget, he was a slot receiver when he got to Memphis. He was a big slot, about 225, 220, 225. You can't can't be 6'1 and be 225 and play slot. That's just not going to work. So he became a running back, and he is explosive, great straight line speed, powerful. But my understanding, Mike, is the knock on him, is he leaves a lot of yards on the field. He's not super instinctive. That's why they drafted Brian Robinson, a third-rounder out of Alabama, who's more of an inside runner. It'll be a one-two punch. Gibson's the starter. Robinson to back him up. Uh, J.D. McKissick is back as the third-down back. But the problem here is that, again, Carson Wentz has not checked the ball down. I thought it was great when Frank Reich recently told, the, it was before the end of their, their offseason in, in Indy, that for, he goes, I don't play fantasy. But I think you should pick up Naheem Hines because he's going to catch a lot of balls. Well, that's a shot at Wentz because Wentz will check the ball down. So Naheem Hines, who was bad for fantasy last year, could be pretty good there. There's your fantasy tip of the day. Okay, there you go. Antonio Gibson, maybe no. Uh, Hines, maybe yes. Uh, what about Dotson? You you kind of referenced him earlier, the yep. addition of Dotson as a wide receiver. And, and, you know, they just signed McLaurin to a huge deal mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, so McLaurin got a three-year extension. I know people are saying he should have got an A.J. Brown's contract. Yes, he's getting paid uh, $2.5 million less a year than McLaurin. I mean, than Brown, but here's the difference. McLaurin got a three-year deal, and A.J. Brown got a four-year deal. And remember, they're both drafted in the 2014 NFL draft. So, yeah, McLaurin, see, the thing with McLaurin is, I'm told, he only really plays one side. He's their X receiver. He's more comfortable there. Dotson will be their Z receiver, their movement receiver, and Curtis Samuel will be their slot. He's really explosive. He was with Scott Turner and Ron, Ron Rivera when they were with with uh, Carolina, and Cam Sims is the big possession receiver. De'Ami Brown will be their top backup outside receiver. He's pretty good. But I, although it's close, I would choose the Ears receiver core now with A.J. Brown, obviously, um, with, Devontae, with, with Devontae Smith. No offense to Terry McLaurin. I, I, I would take Devontae Smith over McLaurin. Some people would disagree with me. Uh, but the, the, the biggest difference is the offensive line, where the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. You know, another thing about the Eagles is they're deeper. They are legit 10 deep where Washington is okay with backups. They're good at tackle. Charles Leno revived his career last year and got an extension, but the Eagles are way better in the interior. And that, that to me, when the Eagles play those two weeks, Mike, the Eagles are going to make their money. Their, their defensive front versus the Washington interior of their offensive line. Right. So you look at the weakness of the line. You're not saying of the, of the commanders, you're not saying it's Carson Wentz the weakness. You're saying it's their offensive line is their problem. Correct. And that, that to me is a difference. I know there were, Seven and ten last season. It's going to be hard for them to do much better. By the way, they were seven nine and one against the spread. Uh, more unders than overs. Seven and ten under. So that, which which does not surprise me because Taylor Heineke is going to get figured out. He's a really good backup, but he's not a starter. They learned that that was a bad mistake last year that they didn't draft a quarterback. 
or a quiet one who was better than Heineke. He's a, he, he's been a great story. He's an undrafted free agent. Scott Turner's had him in three spots, but he's just a backup. The, theoretically, because Wentz is way better than Heineke, they should be better. Maybe an eight or nine win team, ten if they max it. I don't see it that way. Although I would tell you again, Mike, this division, this division which we've called the NFC least, all four teams are going to be better. The Giants' roster is better. The coaching is going to be better. Washington's roster is a little better. They're getting some guys back from injury. So it's going to be a more competitive division where we, we don't, I don't think we'll make as much fun with it as we have in years past. And by the way, they also drafted uh, Sam Howell, who he was a fifth-round pick. But, you know, there was a time, Adam, that people thought he was going to be the number one overall pick. What happened is he had a really bad final year in North Carolina. Uh, he's a better-than-average talent, but nothing special. I think what happens is, and we see this in the media, they'll say, oh, this guy, if he would have come out, he'd been a first-round pick. Most of it's nonsense. It's, it doesn't work that way. First of all, that's just based on some games that you watched. And that's not based on teams actually digging in and, and not only going with the, 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 the All-22, digging the player's background, injury history, and so forth. Sam Howell's not the biggest guy in the world at six foot one. You know that. By the way, that's going to be with Bryce Young when we when we hit the draft next year, Mike. He's a fantastically talented quarterback, but he's only five eleven, very thin frame. Teams are going to have a problem with that. Some teams will think maybe you could put some weight on. See, that's the thing. That's why you, you generally like a guy six three, six four, who's mm-hmm. a big strapping guy. You'd rather not have a smaller guy. That's why a guy like like Russell Wilson is immensely talented, but at five ten and a half, that's why he dropped. Yeah, uh, I'm not the biggest Bryce Young guy. Uh, when people talk about next year's draft, I, I same thing. A little small for my liking uh, to be the number one overall guy. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see about that. Uh, you mentioned their defense. Why? Why did their defense underachieve? Because I agree with you. I thought their defense was going to be a handful last year. It was disastrous, at least for the first half of the year. It got better as the year went on, but man, they had all sorts of problems. Why? Yeah, I was I was seeing a lot of players are trying to play. It, I hate the term hero ball, but which generally refers to when guys do try to do someone else's job instead of theirs. What I'd say it's more that they try to do too much last season instead of executing the way Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, uh, drew everything up. Yeah, they, they too many individual plays by their front. You know, Jamin Davis, uh, who was a first round pick out of Kentucky, was a linebacker, did not play particularly well. He was raw. They kind of knew it when they drafted him. Uh, he, he'll be better in year two. This is not a surprise. He was a one year, really a one-year breakout player for Kentucky. He was more of a project. Uh, they're good, not great in the secondary. You'll hear Greg Cosell talk uh, about this when we, we, we just taped our show with him on Washington. You'll hear how he talks about the secondary. I'll give you a little nugget. Cam Carl, number 31, is one of the better safeties in the National Football League. He's a strong safety that nobody knows about. St. Juice is a tall corner, is an outside corner. William Jackson is a better man corner than zone. And there, there's some misfit parts, I think, in their secondary. That's why I think they'll be – I think if you could protect, you'll be able to get them. They're going to be somewhere around 500. I know there's 17 games, but whether they're going to get 80 or 9 wins, I think they'll be around there. Right. Wentz is going to be better for them. There's no question about it. But I think if you just evaluate their, 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 their 53, 53-man projected roster, interior of the offensive line's a problem. Getting more consistency out of the running game, which was an issue because uh, Scott Turner's is a, a disciple of his dad with a power run game, Dean Passing, and you'll see Wentz throw the ball downfield. And I just don't know. Chase Young's coming off a torn ACL, number ninety-nine, who was great his rookie season. Didn't play well before he got hurt. They're very talented on the front with Deron Payne, 
Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat. Sweat's not a great pass rusher. He's not kind of lived up to being a first-round pick. Remember, he's on the fourth year of his rookie contract. And secondary-wise, they're inconsistent. So that's why, to me, they're, they're, they're a middle-of-the-road team. And if you're a Washington football, if you're a Commanders fan, <laughs> you're gonna, you'll feel better. You'll feel better than about, about this team they did last year. But hopefully all the negativity around the team will subside because – uh, that that obviously has been really bad if you've been a Washington fan. But they, they, they say, they put all these statements out that there's more positivity around the football team. We shall see. Well, and one of their big problems is the organization's a mess. I mean, and that yep. comes from the yep. top down, right? Yeah, and look, Daniel Snyder has uh, been the most criticized owner in the National Football League in my 20 years of covering the, the, the league. Now, they say that, Look, they've tried to correct all these problems. They brought in Jason Wright. You, remember, you might remember him as a Browns running back at Northwestern. Very positive guy, very smart. He's trying to turn around the culture. I've heard it's better, but what I've told people is let's look at the next 9 to 12 months. Let's see what stories come out or positive stories going to come out or negative stories going to come out. And enough of these, these statements. We don't need to see any more statements. Just, just let things go. Let things be quiet. Just run your organization, organization better. And Ron Rivera, by the way, the head coach, he's got personnel control, a former Eagles uh, linebackers coach from a couple decades ago under Andy Reid. Ron's a very positive guy, very very sharp guy, good man. He's doing all that he can, but you can only control so much. All right. Uh, the Washington Commanders, of course, 7-10 uh, and 10 last season. They play Philadelphia Week 3 in Washington, and then Week 10 here in Philadelphia. We'll have both those games for you live on 97.3 ESPN, the Eagles won both games last year. So uh, looking to sweep the series again. Uh, Carson Wentz will be back in Philly on that Week 10 game. And you can listen to more about this Commanders team and the full NFC East on all Inside the Birds platforms with Greg Cosell from NFL Films. It drops on Thursday and then the three shows following that on InsideTheBirds.com in the Inside the Birds podcast and all Inside the Birds platforms. Adam Kaplan, my friends, joins us here for another edition of Football at Four. Thank you, Adam. See you Friday. All right. He'll be back on Friday. And uh, tomorrow, Jeff Mosher is here. Andrew DeCecco on Thursday as Andrew and I will preview the NFC North as uh, that will be our last division preview before we get to the East. And that'll be right here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN Football at Four on Thursday, we're getting closer to training camp. We know teams open next week, the teams that play in the Hall of Fame game. So check that out here uh, as well, the Hall of Fame game on August the 4th. And you can hear that game live on 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. Hopefully you're enjoying your Tuesday. We've got the PT coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll do our Tuesday with Thompson. Got the headlines on the other side, some stories uh, that have interest to me, including this Tiger Woods stuff. We had some text messaging on that earlier. 609-403-0973. I'm Mike Hill. Stick around, more sports bash coming up here on 97.3 ESPN. Back to the sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
ESPN. All right, let's look at some headlines today. 427 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's up, everybody? So these are stories that we don't get to give a lot of attention to. The headlines here on the Sports Bash that we can kind of, you know, take a couple minutes to take a look at some top stories uh, that might be out there. So, number one, all right, uh, I guess the GM of the Carolina Panthers has come out and said that this is going to be an open competition at the quarterback spot. GM Scott Fitterer said the Panthers and Baker Mayfield have yet to have any talks at a contract extension. And then part of that was that, hey, there's going to be an open competition at that spot. Anybody out there believe that? Or does Baker Mayfield come in and automatically get that job in Carolina? You know, Sam Darnold, who was the number three pick in the same draft, is he so bad that he doesn't even have a chance to win that job? I tend to think that Mayfield Darnold set for open competition is probably more lip service. I think Mayfield probably goes there because he's the, you know, he's going to get that job. Not because he had an okay and he wanted out of Cleveland. But I don't think Cleveland, um, Carolina makes the deal unless they basically say, you're our guy. So the Mayfield-Darnold open competition, I kind of think is a little frivolous. I'm not really buying into all that. Right? You guys out there buying into that? Uh, Story two today. Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger, who is, of course, uh, out of the league. He is retired. But he did tweet that the Steelers' stadium name just doesn't seem right or real. It says, quote, I can't believe it. It doesn't seem right or real. Home will always be Heinz Field. I will never forget the last game and all the amazing fans at Forever Heinz. Ben Roethlisberger. Some things just go together. Heights Field is Pittsburgh. I don't even know what the new place is. It's uh, uh, Ack Riser Stadium. Uh, a lot of people are kind of like, hey, that's going to take a long time. It's like some of these things, like Heinz Field. This, and if you ever went to Heinz Field, they had the two ketchup bottles at the top of the stadium. But it's like... But some people might say it's not a big deal. It probably isn't. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. But can you imagine going to a Flyers game and not having Lou Nolan say the Flyers go on the Pico power play? Like, nothing else would fit there. That's what this feels like to me. Nothing else fits. Pittsburgh is Heinz Field. That's what it is. You know, sometimes these stadiums, it's like when Citizens Bank Park, I'm sure at some point that bank is going to stop paying the naming rights and Citizens Bank Park is going to need to find a new naming right name. I mean, you don't have to. You can call it something else without getting the naming rights, but obviously they make a lot of money on these things. But it's like 
the Wells Fargo Center was how many different banks before it finally has kind of settled in on Wells Fargo here for a little while. Core States Center, First Union, Ben Roethlisberger, the new stadium. You're right. Doesn't seem right. Uh, Nick Saban came out today, the Alabama head football coach, said these mega conferences are likely here to stay. Well, I would agree. Where are they going? I mean, they're not going to be like, ah, this didn't work. Let's go back to the old way. But Nick Saban said he believes college football is heading down the path of mega conferences during an appearance on the Always Always College Football podcast this week. He basically said the realignment has stripped the tradition associated with playing the same conference over a prolonged period of time, kind of taking a you know, look back at the Oklahoma-Nebraska series. That got discontinued when Nebraska left for the Big 12, uh, left the Big 12 for the Big 10 in 2010. And, you know, I don't think the Big 10 would go after Nebraska if they had to do it again. Saban said, quote, I think we're going to have to deal with it in a greater capacity than ever before because I think mega conferences are probably here to stay. Market share, there's a lot that is involved in why we're doing what we're doing. You you wonder if Saban's a fan of this. I certainly am not. Uh, Tiger Woods, we played this audio earlier for those who've missed it says he just doesn't understand how the live players could give up playing in major championships. He says, I disagree with it. I think that what they've done is they've turned their back on what has allowed them to get in this position. Some strong words from Tiger Woods. He went on to say, who knows what's going to happen in the near future with the world ranking points, the criteria for entering major championships. The governing body is going to have to figure that out. Some of these players may not ever get a chance to play in a major championship. That's a possibility. We don't know that for sure yet. It's all up to the major championship bodies that make that determination. But it's a possibility that some players will never, ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get to experience this right here, walk down the fairways at Augusta National. That, to me, I just don't understand. That was Tiger Woods today. And he made the comment about the fact that if you're just getting a paycheck, what do you have to play for? Why do you have to work on your game and get your game better? So that was one of the things that Tiger had some pretty strong comments on the live golf today. I mean, if anybody out there was like, hey, I can't wait to see if Tiger's going to make the move. It seems that he made a pretty strong statement this uh, morning that basically suggested he would not. Speaking of strong statements, Many people feel that Rob Gronkowski is just bound to come back. But speaking at a charity event in Boston today, Rob Gronkowski said, I am done with football. Asked if a call from Tom Brady would change his mind. Gronkowski said, he'd take the call, but I wouldn't go back to football. Regardless of what Gronkowski says, eh, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said it wouldn't surprise me if Gronk returned to the NFL. But Gronkowski did seem pretty adamant, if you read the comments today, that even if a call from Tom Brady came in, he would not go back to play football. How many people 
believe Gronkowski there. I'm kind of, I feel like Gronkowski's probably done. I mean, he's got so many other different things he can do. He's on every different commercial. He could do WWE. He just doesn't have to play. And I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be so bad that they're like, oh, my God, we got to call Gronkowski to save our season. So that's why I don't see that uh, kind of unfolding. I, I, I kind of t- do take Gronkowski. I don't, don't want to say I take him at his word. I mean, I, I give it about a... How about a 15% chance that he that he comes back? That would be my my number. I, I'd say about 15% that uh, that he would come back and, and play. But I, I just don't... I, I do kind of take him on his word that he's not going to come back and play. Uh, and NHL free agency starts tomorrow. We know the Flyers uh, could be a player when it comes to Johnny Goudreau. Uh, we told you this morning when we had Kevin Durso on, uh, earlier in the show today when we had Kevin Durso on, that uh, to do so, they would have to try to get rid of JVR. They already did get rid of Oscar Limblom as they are trying to get down to the necessary cap space to even be able to make an offer for Johnny Goudreau. But with that, the Flames have reportedly offered Goudreau a contract in excess of eight years and $80 million. He scored 40 goals, 115 points, in 82 games last year. That said, can Goudreau get more on the open market or will he stay with the Flames? Something definitely will be the first thing, as Kevin Durso told us, to keep an eye on is the Johnny Goudreau. He has to accept that deal with Calgary today of eight years because starting tomorrow, they can no longer give him that eighth year according to uh, Durso. So that's something to keep an eye on. We told you about Lindblom. He's been placed on unconditional waivers. Uh, He has one season left on the deal with $3 million of a cap hit. He was diagnosed, of course, with Ewing's sarcoma back in 2019. He beat it. He was able to resume his career. He even came back. He received the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy in 2021. And, you know, he was kind of a bottom six forward uh, but the cap hit for the Flyers, they had to put out a statement. I mean, how many times do you see a bottom six guy get a statement from the team? Quote, this was a very difficult decision to make and one that we spent a lot of time examining to Chuck Fletcher. No one could question the desire, will, strength to overcome all that Oscar has been through off the ice in order to return to the game he loves. Further, Oscar's commitment to his teammates is truly an inspiration to all of us, and he will always be family. We wish him well uh, as he continues his NHL career. And quote, well, he gets bought out, and the Flyers get a cap credit of $333,000, which means that the Flyers will have some extra cap space, and they need to still make another move if they want to be able to make an offer for Goudreau. So, we'll see. We'll see if they can, uh, I guess the move that they are trying to make has to do with JVR. Uh, And apparently there's some interest in JVR that some teams are interested in, kind of, but they want the Flyers to add a pick or add something of value. 
uh, Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. Anybody watch the uh, Richard Jefferson officiate in the summer league game last night? I didn't catch it, but uh, I was wondering if anybody actually saw it. I didn't see a whole heck of a lot of buzz about it. Of course, uh, it was a late game last night on the East Coast. It was like 11 o'clock game. We've got, uh, what else do we got today? A couple more stories for you, okay? Let's go to, you know, I haven't checked it on the Summer League, uh, but the NBA is going to vote on the play-in tournament. So the Summer League is going on now. The play-in tournament, the Board of Governors is expected to vote to make the play-in tournament permanent. Now, the play-in tournament has been around since the 2020-21 season. And uh, this season it was back. And it looks like they're going to pass a rule that will uh, keep the play-in tournament. Which means the 7th through 10th place teams in both conferences compete in a little four-team playoff thing. And then they become the 7th and 8th seeds. Um, You've got that. It's a way to try to help the teams from tanking, adding more teams into the playoff mix. So the play-in tournament, it looks like that is going to remain a permanent fixture in the NBA. Uh, If you were watching the Summer League and you wanted to see some of the top players, the Orlando Magic have shut down Apollo Bonchero for the remainder of the Summer League. He uh, played two games. That was enough. The number one pick is getting the rest of the Summer League off. He averaged 20 points, six assists, five rebounds in the two games. The Magic says, eh, that's enough. So it's only a matter of time, I feel like. That's one of the things that's so cool about Summer League. It's so cool and so unique that there's this league that happens, and nobody else can do this, right? Nobody else can have a league that's got the number one pick, the number two pick, the number three, all playing. And it's in Vegas, and all the stars are there. I mean, LeBron's there. I mean, heck, Ben Simmons was there the other night. Not that he's, you know... uh the biggest on your star list, but you know, this is like a place to go and all these young players are there, they're playing and, you know, they've got this little league going on in the middle of the summer that has nothing to do, I mean, it's just crazy uh, how big the summer league has gotten. Isn't it? It's just crazy that the summer league has gotten to this spot. I think it's one of the more unique things in sports. Couple more. Should we do a couple more? You got uh let's uh <laughs> got some text messages on uh Mike, I'm guilty of still calling Wells Fargo the spectrum. I guess I'm showing my age. Yeah, I haven't I haven't made that mistake. I'm not calling the Wells Fargo the spectrum. I, sometimes you know you might, uh, nah, I think Wells Fargo, it's been Wells Fargo for long enough that I think we've kind of got that. But like Lincoln Financial Field, it's been Lincoln Financial Field the whole time. It's never changed. Citizens Bank Park, it's been Citizens Bank Park the whole time. It's never changed. So those two, when they get changed, that's going to be, 
Uh, please, Mike Gill, what's with the T sound in your pronunciation of Heinz? Sounds like you're saying Heinz. Never knew you had an accent. LOL. Charles. Uh, I don't even notice it. I was in Pittsburgh for long enough. Maybe I, that's how they say it out there. And maybe you're saying it wrong. Right? We're, we're here in New Jersey. Maybe we're saying it wrong. I have no idea. I could care less. All I know is if your business doesn't have Heinz ketchup, Heinz ketchup, Heinz ketchup, sorry, that uh, I can't trust you. Can't do it. Any business serving anything other than Heinz ketchup, no trust. Can't trust it. As I told you the other day, I saw a place with Heinz strawberry jam. It's very odd. It was just average, by the way. The, the jam was. The food at the place was very good. The strawberry jam, Heinz is not the way to go there. Maybe it just sounds that way. I don't know. I never noticed it. Don't care either. Heinz is last on my list of things that I care at uh, being pronounced correctly. Um, I got so many stories here that I want to kind of get into, but I'm running out of time. Uh, did anybody see this Adam Schefter story being ripped by his colleagues um, in the Washington Post? He did a story. There's a story on Adam Schefter in the Washington Post. And apparently he the story was supposed to be like a good feature on Schefter. And it kind of came out as if like he's not very well liked at the uh, at the mothership. So something to check out, too. I've had Schefter on the show a few times. I mean, my dealings with him have been fine. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Hey, check out the announcer schedule podcast, by the way. This week, our guest is uh, Mark Kestesher, the play-by-play voice for the NBA on ESPN Radio. Uh, talk to, to us about his uh, journey of where he started up in Albany, New York. And how he made it to ESPN as the lead play-by-player for ESPN Radio. That's the announcer schedules podcast. Check that out on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed. All right, I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, That's a look at today's headlines. We'll do it again tomorrow. Back with more Bash. Now, back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 451 on a Sports Bash Tuesday. Somebody texted in, uh, don't forget Wachovia Center. Yeah, the the building has definitely gone through a bunch of different names. So you got, uh, let's see, the first, well, now it's Wells Fargo, Right. So it has been the different naming. You've had the, well, it was originally supposed to be called Spectrum 2, if you remember that. 
So somebody said uh, that they were calling it the Spectrum. The original name of the building was supposed to be Spectrum 2. Um, it was originally named the Core States Center, right? And then there was the First Union Center, and then the Wachovia Center, and now it's the Wells Fargo Center. But it's been the Wells Fargo Center since 2010. So I feel like uh, since 2010, you're, 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 you know, it's 2022 now. It's the Wells Fargo Center is the one that, you know, it's not like the place in Camden that has been what? How many different names has the Camden place been, right? I don't even know. I have no idea that all the different places that it was, what, the Tweeter, the Sony, the Blockbuster. I, I don't even know, like, there's probably a ton of them that have been um, that have been missed in there that somewhere along the way. But I, I, it's not even called the BB&T Center anymore, right? It's, it's uh, what, what is the place called now? The Freedom Mortgage or something like that? In Camden, it's the Freedom Mortgage Pavilion. This all came from, um, by the way, for the people who are just tuning in. Like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, ben Roethlisberger had said that the, the uh, Heights Field, it doesn't seem right that it's not called that. So the Freedom Mortgage Pavilion is what it's called now. It was formerly the BB&T Pavilion, the Susquehanna Bank Center, the Tweeter Center, the Blockbuster Sony Music Entertainment Center. So there's been uh, a whole bunch of different names there. I wonder if that goes to show, like, I don't know what the answer, like, does that mean that the naming thing doesn't work in terms of like, hey, we're going to name, uh, we want our naming things on that type of facility? I think the bank thing had more to do with the bank problem. I don't think they, I think they, the contract was with, was with First Union and then they kind of changed their name and the name of the building changed with it. But the Camden is the Freedom Mortgage Pavilion. And it was the it was actually called the Waterfront Music Pavilion. Then it was the the BB and T Pavilion, Susquehanna Tweeter Center. The Tweeter was wasn't that like a music place? Tweeter? Wasn't that like a place to go, like a music uh to go get like instruments or something like that? And then you had the Blockbuster, Sony Music Entertainment Center. That's been a lot of different places. Uh, 609-403-0973. More Sports Bash coming up. You know, we've got uh, PT up next. We'll do a little Tuesday with Thompson. That's entertainment. Stick around for that next hour. Phillies tonight. Got a uh, bullpen game. Bellotti getting the start tonight for the Phillies. Uh, Sports match brought to you by East Coast Roofing Siding Windows. Serving all of South Jersey. If you call, they'll show up. Online at eastcoastroofing.com. All right, more Sports Bash on the way. Hopefully you'll be with us for the 5 o'clock drive home tonight. Here on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 
This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Final hour of the show. It's a Tuesday with Thompson. The PT's here. We'll spend the next hour together or so conversating on everything you need to know. Pete Thompson is uh, a columnist over at Shore Local. You can check out his Extra Points column. We will dive into that here on Fridays. Uh, You can check out the Extra Points column in the uh, Shore Local, which comes out on Newsstands Fridays. And he joins me for another edition of Tuesday with Thompson here on the Sports Bash, live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, where you can win Dave Matthews Band tickets for Friday night in Camden. Get the app and enter. I'll have the winning name on Thursday's show. And the winner is getting a four-pack of tickets to go see DMB Friday night at whatever that place is called in Camden now. Hi, Peter. <laughs> Somebody was asking me about that uh, today, as a matter of fact, and I didn't know that's what it was called now. You know, uh, let's see here if I have that uh, back the in free- the text Freedom here. Mortgage something. Freedom that- Mortgage Pavilion. This yes. is this is the exact text. Hey, Pete, you don't happen to have any connections with the Freedom Mortgage Pavilion or whatever the hell it's called anymore, do you? <laughs> well, if somebody texted me that free, Freedom Mortgage Pavilion, I would have no idea what they were even referring to. I mean, how about Heinz Field? It's no longer going to be Heinz Field. I know. We were, we were literally just talking about this. You know, Ben Roethlisberger said it just doesn't seem right uh, that Heinz Field is no longer. I don't even know what they're calling. I don't know what it is. Uh, I saw that name too, and it went right in and right out. It, it just uh, well, we were talking I, about how like the Freedom Mortgage has changed a ton. The uh, the Wells Fargo Center had a little bit of a name uh, change in the there early going. in the yeah. early going. Now it's been Wells Fargo since 2010. Lincoln Financial Field and Citizens Bank Park they are the original names, right? Uh, Wells Fargo's original name was the First Union Center. And that's the one that always makes me laugh because, you know, we, of course, being Philadelphians and people down here called it the FU Center. I always enjoyed that. Right. And then it morphed over to, uh, well, no, it was the what, core, it was it the was, core it was state first union, center. Then it was, yeah, no. but the very first name was First Union, right? No, it was the core state center. And okay. then it was First then it was Union. First union. And then it All was right. Wachovia. Okay. All right, there you go then. Yeah, well, so it, it was originally supposed to be called Spectrum 2. Oh, I did not know that part of the story. Right, and then they got a naming right. It was the Core States. It was either the Core States Center, I think it was. Yeah, Core States Center, then it was the FU Center, then it was the Wachovia Center. Right. The word center has been in it. Now it's the uh, Wells Fargo Center. The word center has been in all all the four or five iterations. Well, because it was... Uh, it was AccuSure the Core Stadium, by the way, is what the Steelers. Oh, AccuSure, yeah. So it AccuSure, was the yeah. Core State Spectrum too. They had the naming rights for the old building as well. Okay, I do remember that. And and when they went to Wachovia, then of course there was a period of time where they had a like when the Spectrum came down. It was was it the Wachovia Spectrum at that point? Or was it the Wells Fargo Spectrum? No, I don't think that because 2010 is when it became the Wells Fargo Center. Okay, when did the spectrum come down? That I don't remember. Right, that makes two of us. Yeah, I figured. But I digress. Over. I uh, figured look, the, over that. the big thing is is that um, uh, you you ought to be able to like sort of keep the heritage of the name. Like when 
when Mile High Stadium first got naming rights, they they made it like uh, Invesco Field at Mile High Stadium, or I think it was originally Sports Authority Field at Mile High Stadium. Remember that store, Sports Authority? I do. I do. <laughs> right. I so, was I a mean, big they, fan they of the Sports Authority. You have what at Sports Authority? I was a big fan of the Sports Authority. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and then they went bye-bye. Um, there's a way to keep the heritage in there, right? Isn't the uh, garden in Boston known as the TD Bank North Yeah, garden? there's you a can... way to keep the heritage if you're not incorporating another business's name. Oh, that's true. That's true. All right, that makes some sense then. So, uh, and, and, you know, uh, the Heinz name carried a lot of weight in Pittsburgh for a long time. Plus, Absolutely. there was a state senator, John Heinz. Right. So, you know? the field, yeah, you're not going to call it assurance at Heinz Field. Right. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You're giving Heinz a, a free uh, right, a free plug. A free plug there. Now, if, yeah, if it's called Mile High or The Garden, you can keep those names incorporated. Now... <sighs> Isn't there a, uh, a radio station in Philadelphia to this day, I believe, that continues to call it the center? They will well, not Sixers, any of the corporate. No, <laughs> see, the Sixers, that's not the Sixers are the ones that don't acknowledge it because they don't own the building and they right. wanted to be able to get their own naming rights for the building. <laughs> so they are the ones who call it the center. Uh, okay. All right. I, yeah, that's right. The Sixers did cease doing it. So maybe the radio station I heard was just picking up on the fact that, you know. Yeah, well, it's probably the station that carries the Sixers. No, I, I was listening to it on KYW News Radio. I'll, I'll tell you who it was, but, you know. But no. I digress. Yeah. That, that, was the, that, that was the guy that was doing live updates. The Sixers. Say, live from the center. Yeah, the Sixers <laughs> don't use the name Wells Fargo. I didn't know this, though. Remember Scott O'Neill, the guy that was the CEO and looked like that actor Treat Williams for the Sixers for a long time? He had a deal where he was going to use clear coat paint only visible with UV black lighting to then show, like, you know, and then they could have their own logo on there instead of, like, the corporate logos on there kind of thing. That's, a, that's an interesting trick. Uh, I don't I don't remember that at all. It was in the 15, somewhere in the 15, 16, well, they never did it, but that was his first idea. Scott O'Neill's idea was, what if we use paint that's only going to show up with black lights, and then when the, the lights are down, then you'll see the logos that we want you to see. But then when the lights are up, it'll just be the regular, you know, and that, that was like his workaround gotcha. solution. Yeah, I but know they that never, they, they, they since they are not the owner of the building, they, you know, well, this is a nice way for us to segue into the fact that they're going to name it the Zach Hill Media Room. Yeah, he's a West Virginia alum. I'm going to miss Zach Hill, who uh, none of our listeners have any idea who that is, PT. You're doing a little too much inside baseball here. <laughs> I apologize. But, I mean, how often would I get the chance to say how much I'm going to miss Zach Hill as well? So, okay, go ahead, wherever you want yeah, to that go. would be Take something that you would probably tell me off the air, right? Oh, well, no, but I'll tell you on the air, too, because it was in my column this week. I wrote about it. Yeah, let's uh, go through a couple things here. So the Phillies, uh, they uh, split that series with St. Louis, which I guess, you know, after the way it started, kind of flamed That's out a, a little bit. That's a disappointment. That's a disappointment to split that series. You go out and you shut them out for the first two games, and you win the first two games, and then you can't. You can't win at least one of the last two, including with Nola. I mean, that's that's to me where the disappointment comes. You know, they they reworked the lineup or they reconfigured uh, the starting rotation so that they could get 
Gibson and Nola out of the way since they can't pitch in Toronto, and we'll get to that. But you know, and then and Nola just uh, you know it's. It, it, Two steps forward, two steps back. I mean, it's, it's you, you don't feel like you're seeing a lot of progress. And the only good news out of last night's game is that Alec Bohm is doesn't have a broken finger; it's just a dislocated finger. Yeah, that just that news just came out that they said that uh, he might be just day to day now. So nothing broken, nothing. Uh, you know that will, they, they said he might not even have to go on the injured list, but he can't play in Toronto regardless because he's not vaccinated. But uh, he could be back as I guess for the weekend series with uh, with Miami. Yeah, and then the the way it all worked out by moving those starting pitchers around too, then then you're going to actually have uh, either Wheeler or uh, Nola pitching in Miami, right? I believe because the way they reconfigured everything. Yeah, so they're off on Thursday, so you know you you have a day because tonight they're doing a bullpen game. Bellotti is actually pitching the first inning today, and then after that, obviously they'll they'll kind of fill in. I would imagine you'll see a bunch of different guys in there, but uh, the weekend pitching is. Uh, Wheeler is tomorrow, Gibson is Friday, Nola is Saturday, and they do not have a starter listed for Sunday. Wait, Wheeler can't be tomorrow. That's in Toronto, right? No, Wheeler is tomorrow? Yeah, because it's Gibson and Nola that aren't. Right, I- Wheeler, I'm Wheeler is tomorrow. Yeah, so Wheeler, I'm locked in. Right, Wheeler <laughs> pitched on Friday, so Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, he's pitching on regular. So Wheeler tomorrow, Gibson uh, Friday, Nola will be back on Saturday, and then they do not have a starter listed for Sunday. Right, but it's still a travesty that they didn't uh, name Zach Wheeler to the All Star team. That's that's unbelievable. Well, I mean, yes and no. I, I, if people always complain about these type of things, but every team has to have somebody represented, so that cuts into guys who should make the team. Where you know. What are you going to do? I mean, the guy, the guy from the Reds that made the team was a pitcher. Did you see this graphic that came up with the last two Phillies with a 1.67 ERA or lower over a 12-start span in two different seasons? I mean, it's kind of a, a stretch to make the stats fit. But in 1972, Steve Carlton had a 1.19 ERA. And then in 1980, he had a 1.47 ERA. Wheeler... Back to back is what makes this so impressive. One six four last year, one six seven this year. Over twelve start span in two different seasons, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, you the guys having like another Cy Young esque season." You're right. I understand how it works with the rules, and you can't invite everybody. And but I, I mean, I thought he was the Wheeler was the bigger snub uh, of of anybody. Yeah, I mean, Nola's actually Nola's numbers other than his record are very good. I mean, his whip is under one. It was going into last night anyway. I don't know what it ended up after last night. And his, you know, he leads the league in strikeouts. I mean, you can make an argument that Nola should have been on the team too. Uh, but again, like they, somebody had a side by side, like make it yeah, make I, I got it right here. See it? Yeah, make it make sense. And it's like, well, the Reds need somebody. So you have to have a guy on the team. And Luis Castillo was the guy who was their most deserving player. So that's a pitcher that had to make the team that bumps out a pitcher that should make the team. Man, the All Star game. You it, don't forget anything. You do have that photographic memory because that I I just showed you that I got the graphic right here. It was the same thing I saw too. Well, I do some research for the show, Pete. I'm just impressed that you saw it briefly and were able to conjure that up in your mind. That was it about. I had it. What time was that tweet? Uh, let me look up the details here. Details. 
July 11th, so that's yesterday, 127. Right, so I so, I must have saw it at some point yesterday when that all yeah. happened, and I just remember it from today. So, But that being said, I don't like the All-Star Game thing. It, it is what yeah. it is. I mean, yeah. who cares? Well, when does Hoagie Fest end? Because that's the next question about the Phillies. When does it Hoagie Fest, did it begin? I, I haven't had oh, a Hoagie. did it begin? Kyle Schwarber has 10 home runs in the 18 games during Hoagie oh, Fest. Oh, I, I haven't That's had why a... I brought that up. See, see, there's some stats that MG did not see. I didn't know, wasn't aware of that Hoagie Fest was underway. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, man. Hoagie Fest is on. I have not had a Hoagie at the Hoagie Fest place in probably 10 years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, a lot of, there's a lot of options around here, Peter. There are a lot of great options around here. In fact, I hit one of them on all. And I'm not like an anti. I just, you know, if I'm going to go with uh, a sandwich, I'm going to use one go of the local, the local sandwich, sandwich sure. shop. And uh, I would much prefer to waste my carbs on one of the local establishments. Not that I have anything against the Hoagie Fest place. I go there often. Right. No, actually, there's a running joke in our family that, you know, a, a friend of mine from high school once I said something about we were all going to watch the Eagles-Dallas game at my dad's house up in Plymouth meeting. And I said, all right, well, you bring the sandwiches. And, of course, I had the mindset that you have down here in Jersey or I had growing up where you had, like, lose Hoagie Shack or, you know, the Master Deli, uh, stuff your belly with meats or all these places, you know, that are from my youth. And he came and he brought Wawa sandwiches. And then when we were giving them bleep about it he was trying to say like well wawa has the best subs we're like what are you crazy <laughs> like again there's there's much better local options than the uh corporate and national chain but the point is is that uh schwarber's been red hot he's got 28 home runs before the all-star break and it's pretty unbelievable i mean only mike schmidt's ahead of him yeah so if somebody was going to make the all-star team it should have been schwarber yeah, now do you, are you of the school that he's going to ruin his swing in the home run derby, or you don't think that matters? No, Frank and I talked about this. He said, well, all he does is hit home runs anyway. It's not like he does anything else, so, mm -hmm. right? That's true. That's true, and he does it really well. So, yeah, you know. Um, I mean, Ryan Howard didn't ruin his swing those years that he was. No, the one guy the one guy that was cold after was, was Abreu, and Abreu mm -hmm. had one of those beautiful swings, and then he kind of went cold afterwards, but... I mean, everybody, like, in Philly, we are so, we we remember, like, Andre Dillard was horrible at right tackle, so now he's horrible. No, he played bad right. one night. Like, that was, you know, like, we only remember the one thing. That, I thought you were going to go Winston Justice on me, the swinging gate, you know, where they, the Giants, was it the Giants that destroyed him or the Redskins? Who was it that owned him? I think it was the Giants that night. I think it was yeah. the Giants. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, but yes, but we we seem to remember like these one things that happened, and then then that's all that remembers. Like, oh, Bobby Abreu did not hit well. Well, you know, you know, uh, Schwarber was in the Derby a couple of years ago. He beat Hoskins in the in one of the rounds, and then he right. lost to Harper. Okay, so. Did you see that, because uh, you do see a lot of stuff, did you see Kevin Cooney's tweet late Saturday night where he said the Phillies now have the tiebreakers over the Padres, Cardinals, and Brewers? In other words, three of the five teams that figure into the wild card hunt because you have to still put Atlanta and San Francisco in the mix as well. But that, that's a good place to be considering where they were at the start of the season. You know, did you know at the start of June they were seven games behind the Cardinals in the wild card? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, right, that they've made up this ground with the fact that they're missing some guys, too. Yeah. Uh, listen, I said this yesterday, Peter, that you can make an argument that the 11-game stretch that Derek Hall is has since he's been up okay. is been more productive than any 11-game stretch Bryce Harper's given you. Wow. Yeah, no, I guess if you, I mean, you boil it back and the guy, he's hitting home runs in his first at bat and his second at bat and and he's hit some, he's had some balls that work, you know, long doubles, but still, you know, or key at bats where he gets on base ahead of somebody, you know, it's, I think he's been a good contribution. He's a good contribution. I just said he's been a bigger <laughs> impact. I don't know if you heard me correctly here. I heard you. You said he's been a bigger impact than anything that the potential MVP has done. That's right. I heard you. I just wasn't willing to give him the same props and accolades that you were. I was as effusive as you were. Let me tell you, I I, I don't think people, like, if I say that, I think people are like, wait, you got to be kidding me, right? No. Derek Hall in, now, I think last night was his, I think was his 12th game. Uh, Yes, was his 12th game last night. So in 12 games, he's hitting 283 with eight runs. He has four homers and seven RBIs. His OPS is 907. Ooh, I went, what's his, yeah. I went through Bryce Harper and tried to find an 11 game span where he put up a better, um, hit more than four home runs and had more than seven RBI. And I couldn't really find one. Did you tweet this out yet so you can tell everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> no, because as soon as I'm wrong, everybody will let me know. No, I, I'm just like, it just, and now look, I said, I'm not saying Hall's better. I'm just nah, saying like they have not lost Harper's production yet. Right. Because okay, Hall, in that spot. Yeah. Well, they're very fortunate in that too. I think, you know, I mean, the, the first thing that they got lucky with is that the National League adopted the DH this year. That was, and we, we've spoken about that at length that, you know, Harper would have had this in the old days. Harper would have been in the lineup and they would have missed his bat. And that would have been the end of that. So uh, even before the thumb injury, just to have him in there and be able to do what he did. But then you're right. How do you replace? You know, I, I think one of my columns for Shore Local a couple of weeks ago said Bryce Harper uh, injured. Bryce Harper injured is all hope lost. That's what I wrote is all hope lost. Well, it certainly doesn't seem like it if Long Ball Hall is doing what he does. (laughs) All right, PT, I want to transition to the Flyers because they're going to be in the news tomorrow. Now, today they're in the news. They waived uh, Oscar Lindblom, and now they are trying to do something with JVR. So far, no takers, and I guess this is all to try to go after Johnny Goudreau. But what if they can't get rid of JVR? Durso says if they can't get rid of JVR, they cannot get Goudreau. Uh, would they end up with major egg on their face? Um, I, yes and no. I mean, that's why they're trying to do it. I mean, the, the economics of the Lindblom thing, the re- they waived him for two reasons. One, yes, they're trying to get Johnny Goudreau. But also, two, he actually, it, waiving him opens up more space than keeping him. You know, he was, it would have been 3 million versus 3.33. So we actually get, they get a little bit more room in that. And you could see the optics at work here where they donated what, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that to, uh, in Lindblom's name to uh, cancer research and stuff. I mean, they, they knew that this could potentially blow up against them, but you're right. I mean, this, it's easy to follow the puzzle pieces here that they're, they're trying to go after Goudreau. And I've, 
you know, uh, Kevin Weeks said it on ESPN that the Flyers, you know, is, is Johnny Gaudreau going to the Flyers? He said, yes, that was on draft night. The guy's coming off, to, off a 40-goal, 115-point season. But it all hinges on if they create the cap space for him, and that's only if they can find a taker for JVR. Now, I think there are people out there that will take JVR, but you also have to know that, that what's coming back, you know? And, uh, or what are the, you know, I mean, you can get, you're not going to sell them for nothing. You're not going to trade them for nothing. Well, according to some reports, according to some reports, teams are willing to take on JVR, but they want you to sweeten the pot. Like here's JVR, take them from us, take a first round pick just for taking them. Yeah. And you know, they just made those picks for uh, Tony or traded three picks for Tony, you know, for a team that's trying to, uh, (laughs) a team that's trying to, they say not rebuild, they say reload, but you know, whatever you're calling it, you have to be able to have some draft capital and you, you can't get rid of everything. You know, the three names that they've been mentioning have been Konechny, JVR and Lindblom. Well, Lindblom was the first piece of the puzzle. Now, is there is there a chance that connect they're going to move connect right and he's actually the easiest to move i mean he's young he's only 25 years old but i mean is that somebody they move do they move on from i don't think they'd move on from somebody like Provorov, even though he had a down year but you know uh and they could make open up some space if they put Joel Farabee on a uh, long term injured list cuz he had disc replacement surgery i mean you start messing around with the back forget about it but you know, uh, th- their words are always not rebuild. It's aggressive retool. And um, that second half of that word retool, there's days where I look at Chuck Fletcher and think he is a tool. <laughs> <laughs> well, Durso said earlier that if they don't get JVR and they did all these things to try to maneuver, uh, right. that, that that's, you know, like that that will be uh, a pretty big blunder by them. Well, and they've been blundering a lot lately, so it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I mean, I I like, look, I like the fact that the words aggressive retool, Chuck Fletcher has certainly been aggressive, right? He kept the fifth pick. He understood that he had to go out and make some changes. He got a coach that he thinks matches the system of what they want to play. He went out and, you know, here we are. Here I am complaining about draft picks, but he said, you know, no, we want Tony D'Angelo on this hockey team. We need this guy. And and then he got a firestorm of controversy about it. But at the end of the day, you know, Fletcher's doing what he said he would do. He's trying to be aggressive and trying to improve the hockey club. Well, let me, let, just, me, let me ask you that. Like, going into last year, did we think the team was going to be good? Yes, because he made all these moves, including Ryan Ellis. But you couldn't have predicted that they were going to be so epically depleted and poor. You know, I mean, the, the no Ryan Ellis, no Kevin Hayes. You know, Travis Konecki went back to, like, he disappeared. Provorov was inside his head, you know. Uh, Provorov became human. That was a guy who ate up minutes his rookie year. Then all he did was have an awful, awful season. So uh, there was just so many combinations uh, where the Flyers, what you thought they were going to be versus what they eventually were, they, they got their coach fired, for God's sakes. Uh, they got Elaine Vigneault right, fired. I guess then my question is, if you entered last year thinking the team was going to be good, and, you know, for whatever reasons they weren't, they had a lot of injuries, some, you know, Ellis got hurt, and other guys started to get hurt, could you make the argument that as, if those guys come back and you add a Goudreau and a D'Angelo and get Ellis back, that you would think that the team is better? 
Yes, you can make that argument, number one. And number two, you almost feel like that reverse psychology where you thought they were going to be good last year and they stunk. This year, you think they're going to stink or you're, you don't have high hopes for them. And, and maybe by adding some of these guys, uh, they, they could, you know, be a, be a pleasant surprise. I mean, there's – look, Johnny Gaudreau is not the only name out there. I saw a leak out today that uh, Evgeny Malkin is is looking elsewhere. You know, Kadri is a name you and I have talked about. That guy's 31 years old. But the Flyers, there was a point in time, probably four or five years ago, where the Flyers had a glut of centers, a surplus of centers. Now they're depleted at the center position. So Kadri is something that if they can't get Goudreau, maybe that they clear up some money to bring in a Nazim Kadri. And, and you know, I mean, the guy had 87 points last year, 28 goals, 59 assists, and he was productive in the playoffs too. I mean, I understand that he's not a spring chicken at 31, but right. look, you know. That's, they, a flyer. they just, they, That's a Flyers move there, bringing in the 31-year-old guy. <laughs> well, what do you want to do? You want to bring back Giroux or Malkin? I said Malkin a minute ago. Drew's 34. Malkin's 30. Or, or, uh, yeah, Drew's 34. Malkin's almost 36. I mean, these guys, you know, Evander Kane's 30. Guy, the, the names that are out there in free agency are usually the old names. You can't get the young guys. Um, nope, I don't want any of those guys. Except for Tony D'Angelo. He was available. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they got him via trade. Yeah, but I mean, he also was available because uh, there's been some uh, controversy around that guy. Right. Oh, and he spoke about it the other day, and he said, you know, we'll see. I mean, prove everybody wrong, yada, yada. Yeah, we gotta, look, you got to wait and see. Some people don't like giving people another chance. Some people don't care as long as the guy can play. We'll see if he can do either. Does he deserve another chance? Can he play? We'll find out. How about if the Flyers got Max Domi? Would that be a name that would interest you since his dad once pulled the guy down into the penalty box and started wailing on him? Right. I was going to say, he would be the kind of you know player that fans would probably <laughs> like here. <laughs> Very much so. Or maybe they just go get like Tortorella kind of players, like grinder guys out there. Like Brian Boyle might be a free agent, <laughs> you know, or he's a free he's a He's a center. Again, I keep going back to the center position, right? And he has a history, and he would and be a short contract. Although, geez, I didn't – Boyle's already 37. 37. Good Lord, that's a fossil in hockey. There you go. Yep. All right, uh, that's entertainment. We'll do that on the other side. Uh, Pete Thompson, don't forget to check out Shore Local on Friday, his column um, – extra points you can read more about some of the things we just talked about in his extra points column and uh, that's on friday's newsstand shore local he also writes a column called that's entertainment and we dive into that on tuesdays we'll do that coming up next you know uh my girlfriend went to the movies last night i did not go Whoa, i, I did not go, go. i did uh, not this go. is almost history and record breaking i did, did not go i did not Out of go. curiosity did she go see elvis I will tell you when we come back here on the Sports oh, Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. That's entertainment. Coming up next. Now, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Free ESPN.
Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN on your Tuesday night. That's entertainment. Pete Thompson from Shore Local. His column is on Friday's newsstands. That's entertainment. Now, I told you on the other side, PT, that my girlfriend went to the movies last night. Not me. I did not go to the movies. The streak is still alive. Yeah, the streak is still intact. We talked about your streak over the weekend. I don't even know how it came up in conversation with Billy, but but I mentioned it and went and looked up that when that movie came out. You know, what was it, 96 or something like that? Or? 98. Wow, that's unbelievable. That streak is still alive. What did she see out of curiosity? What did she go watch? She saw Top Gun. Oh, very good. And did she like it? Yes, she did like it. She uh, she went with her she, and the boys. Did she I, see it in IMAX, too, I hope? She went to the Vetner, whatever that's called. Uh, the Vetner Square Theater. Yes. I'm a big fan of all those. The Vetner Square, the Tilton Square, and the Stone Harbor Square. They all have, uh, you know, T- Tilton's now got the reclining seats. Vetner's got the nucky place up top there with the restaurant. The now, they have the reclining yards. seats there, too, she said. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so they went and saw Top Gun last night. I had baseball, so they went and saw Top Gun. So my street. I saw you had baseball. Somebody came and talked to the kids. Yeah, that was Joe Smith, the uh, Delsey head coach. Nice guy. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, good. And they all looked like they were attentive. So very much so. Yes, it was very. He did a great job. He was very, uh, very good. So, um, all right, PT. That's entertainment. Let's get into it here. Um, Let's see. Where do you want to start? What do we start with this week? Well, we didn't get a chance to acknowledge the the two losses. So, like, let's start with those guys, you know, Jimmy Kahn and Tony Sirico, right? Let's discuss that first and foremost, right? I mean, I know you haven't been to the movies in a long time, but James Kahn, I mean, you've seen Brian's song in your life, haven't you? No. Oh, my God, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I mean, people think of James Kahn as Sonny Corleone, first and foremost, and that's fine. That's his most famous role. I totally understand that. The younger generation thinks of him as Walter Hobbs in Buddy or in the movie Elf, right? You know, with Will Ferrell. And he was hilarious in that, right? You know, and it's a Christmas classic and it's out all the time. So, but, you know, I got to tell you, like, the one of the first times that I ever really recognized that that's the same guy from The Godfathers, this guy, was when he was in Brian's song. And it's, it's all about the Brian Piccolo story based on the friendship between Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo with the Chicago Bears. And it's a TV film. But you got uh, Billy D. Williams playing Gail Sayers, and James Kahn is Brian Piccolo, and Piccolo tragically uh, develops cancer and and dies. Now, and and it's because you know th- this relationship between a black man and a white man and their and their friendship. You know. Now, do you want me to really blow your mind? Oh boy, I've never Go seen ahead. The Godfather. How is that possible? Do you just not, I mean, especially now when you can watch it at home, like what are you watching the blacklist for when you can sit through and enjoy Godfather 1, 2, and 3? Don't know, PT. I'm just not a movie guy. Oh, my God. That You know, take the gun, leave the cannoli. I mean, I, I thought you liked bomb movies. You're not as into them as I am? No, yeah, not really. But I you, mean... But but you loved The Sopranos, which leads us to our other guy. I'll bail you out here and keep moving on. Uh, Tony Sirico. Oh, Misery was good, too, with James Conn. That was a, Did you ever see that movie? I did see Misery. I also saw him in the program. 
yeah, the program. Well, I mean, he had other, like, like, it's funny, when he passed, one of the roles I thought about was how much I enjoyed him as casino boss Ed DeLine in the show Las Vegas that was on NBC for many years. Now, I cannot tell a lie. I watched that more for Molly Sims than I did James Caan. But, hey, you know, or that other girl, the one that went on to marry Jay Moore and then divorced him um but uh, you know the redhead that was very voluptuous but yeah i mean he's he's had uh, weird roles that are, are roles that i mean james Conn was in rollerball speaking of roles that isn't aren't something you think you'd see the guy in he was never a headliner okay he was never tom cruise but he was really good so i wrote about him this week and i also wrote about tony sirico who of course you know paulie gotieri right paulie walnuts yep do you know why he was named paulie walnuts I do not. He was given the nickname Polly Walnuts for the time that he held up a shipping truck full of TV sets only to find nuts instead. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the one thing I wrote was that if Sirico looked like a gangster, that's because he once was one. He was arrested 28 times, Mike Gill. Wow. On the 28th time, he ended up spending 20 months in prison in Sing Sing. This isn't like some country club prison. The dude went to jail. <laughs> so he was in prison. And he sees this like drama troupe come in and give a show. And he's there thinking like, I can do that. Right. So he actually went and became a, an actor. And Woody Allen used him a lot. Uh, Tony Sirico, uh, long before we knew him as Paulie Walnuts. But, you know, uh, just for, for his acting alone in that Pine Barrens episode where he and Chris get lost in the Pine Barrens. That's one of the iconic episodes of the whole series. Yeah, he was very – he portrayed that role, you know, tremendously. He was excellent in that role. I mean, he absolutely – and look, you know, most people only know him from that role, and that's it. Yeah, and he was in so much else. I mean, that's yeah, – again, including prison. <laughs> you know, I mean, if it looked authentic, <laughs> there's a reason that it was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just so I wanted to acknowledge that. I wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, I had to admit to Josh the other day because Josh was all excited that he went and he saw the new Thor movie, right? Thor Love and Thunder. And, and I said, Josh, I actually haven't seen any of the Thors. And he was like, what? <laughs> so I have a, like a complex relationship with the MCU, the Marvel, com like, you know, I really loved when Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man. I wasn't so much into it when Andrew Garfield took over the role or whoever the latest guy was, who I can't remember his name. I liked the Iron Man movies, but that, and I liked Guardians of the Galaxy. But by the time they got to Avengers, I, you know, it just was too many characters going on at once and too much for me. So, um, however, I do subscribe to Disney Plus. So. Fear not, uh, Josh, when he's out there, that I will eventually uh, watch the Thor movies. Like, I almost started to watch one today, and I had to write the columns. So, sorry. Got, you know, work <laughs> comes first. All right. Well, uh, there you go. Let's get to the streaming services. Now, as we do this each week, I have to jot some of these down because, as you said, I'm, I'm in Blacklist. But I'm in Season 7 now. Yeah. Well, I'm going to lead with this for you then. Uh, the first thing I'm going to tell you is you have to watch Terminal List. It's on Amazon Prime. Chris Pratt plays a Navy SEAL. And, you know, there was a couple episodes. The first episode was so good. The action sequences were so good. I was like, God damn, this is good. And when the credits rolled, literally the first credit said executive producer Chris Pratt. The second credit said Antoine Fuqua. You know who Antoine Fuqua is? 
Uh, the name sounds familiar. He did this little movie called Training Day with Denzel. I mean, never saw it. Never saw it. Oh, Training Day is outstanding. Yeah. So Antoine Fuqua, Fuqua is one of the uh, executive producers, and it's his. It's through his like uh, production outfit. So eight episodes. There's only one season out. The Terminal List. I would urge you to check out that. Now you're not a Star Trek guy, right? Or space or any of that. None of that does it for you. Nope. Because I, I like the Orville. It used to be on Fox, and then that migrated over to Hulu. Um, how about Norm MacDonald? Do you like Norm MacDonald? Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, my old producer, Pete G, looked a lot like Norm MacDonald. He's the spitting image of him, in my opinion. He could go out and sign some autographs <laughs> as a younger version. But Norm MacDonald, he had a special called Norm MacDonald, Nothing Special. He recorded it during the pandemic, just like you and I are talking on the live stream here. He basically sat at home in front of his computer. He's wearing a navy plaid blazer, a Celtics baseball hat, and headphones, and a microphone. And he's doing, and he did, like, in one take, Gil. He sat down, said, okay, we're ready to go. Okay, let's go. And and he did, a fit like, a 45-minute set. In, with no audience, but all the pauses are there. It was really, it was, it was surreal to watch. And, and some of the things he talked about was mortality and coming to grips with his own mortality. And he knew he was sick. I mean, he, he knew he was sick for a long time. He kept that hidden from everyone. He had a form of cancer and he kept that hidden from everyone. So at the end, and this is why I tell you to watch it, uh, uh, after about 45 minutes of jokes, they had about a 30-minute like round table with David Letterman, Molly Shannon, Dave Chappelle, Conan O'Brien, Adam Sandler, and David Spade all talking about Norm MacDonald. So yeah. that was what made that worth it for me. All right. Well, uh, I will put it on the list as I'm trying to uh, get through here. Now, we are at the time of the year where the new Bachelorette has started. So, uh, oh, gosh. You don't watch that. Yeah, Monday nights. Uh, Monday nights, I got to put some time in, so... Uh, that's what we, uh, we, we, you that's know. your couple show. And this, well, we watch Blacklist, so there's a couple yeah. things, but that's a first run show. And the new one started last night. Uh, this is the first time they're doing two Bachelor. I saw that too. And of course, uh, in the promos, it's always like they're, they're on top of the world one second and they're crying the next second. <laughs> yeah. DB Cooper. Do you like DB Cooper, by the way? I don't know who that is, Peter. Oh, no, you should Google that. Tonight, uh, Netflix starts a four-part documentary called D.B. Cooper, Where Are You? That's the guy that um, he uh, hijacked an airplane back when it was easy to hijack airplanes. And he he landed the, he had him land the plane in an airport, evacuated all the passengers. They just kept the flight crew, right? And then they took off and they demanded a $200,000 ransom for, uh, and this was like 1970. One, I think. And he demanded a $200,000 ransom. Some guy gave him a bag with $200,000. The plane takes off again. And then at some point he opens the door and he won a parachute and stuff. At some point he opens the door, jumps out, and they never saw him again. So D.B. Cooper, is uh, that's debuting tonight on Netflix. Okay, and uh, that one is a show or it's a documentary, you said, right? It's a four-part documentary. It's a, it's a short one. Gotcha. But I st- I've been telling you to maybe watch the, the Old Man, too, with Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow. That wraps up on Thursday. There's only six episodes in that one. So if you're looking for qu- quick things, you know, I would say... In order, I would recommend uh, the Terminal List on Amazon Prime. I would recommend the Old Man on FX slash Hulu. Those right. are the two that I'd probably push the most. This There's week. one last plea for the Old Man. Has anybody uh, came up to you and said, "You know, PT, I've tried out that Old Man." 
<laughs> nobody has nobody has come up to me and said that. <laughs> Nor have they called me the old man, even though I am. All right, uh, that's entertainment with Pete Thompson here on the Sports Bash Live ninety seven three ESPN. Check out uh, the Friday edition of the Shore Local, where you can read his entire entertainment column, and he'll be back for a, a happy hour Friday. Yeah, we're going to have to figure out the logistics on that. Remember, I'm going to Elton John on Friday night, speaking of entertainment. All so. right, well, maybe you'll be on Thursday. Who knows? Okay, that, that would work. Well, I, we've got a busy week ahead here. We, we've all That's got true. I'll be PA announcing for you Thursday night. That's nice of you. Yeah, looking forward to it. And everybody's looking forward to that. Go Devils. All right, PT. <laughs> MG. All right. You're almost done, buddy. <laughs> oh, I am at the end of the line, man. <laughs> I can tell. No Josh in there today, right? Or yesterday. Yeah, it's just weird, right? You never... <laughs> well, you're sitting in a room talking to yourself. I mean... <laughs> There's nobody to, in the commercial break to interact with or say anything to? No, I mean, in all the different behind-the-scenes stuff, I'm actually doing, too. It's not like I they let me bring anybody in here to replace them. Exactly. You know, he's yeah. off well, for the day. Nice. Oh, do it yourself. It's nice that you gave him a couple days off, though. Well, yeah. I mean, it just... You know, you know people have a, to take time off in your life you should have a way to replace those people when you're in croatia i'm sure that he will be remembering that these last two days and how much freedom he had yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah so um yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm uh, hitting the, i'm hitting that wall there pt i can tell well one more one more break and back on the other side to wrap things up and giddy 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 goo <laughs> yeah i'm out of here i'm out of here <laughs> all right buddy talk to you soon all right see you all right pete thompson here on the sports bash live 97.3 espn the 97.3 espn free mobile app we'll uh, wrap up the show coming up next here on 97.3 now back to more without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, we're getting ready to wrap up the show here. We've got a couple of... Uh, Text messages. Uh, Matt and Kate May Courthouse. Tell PT the amazing Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield is worth watching. One of my favorite movies regardless of genre. Doesn't even need to watch the first. If you like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man's, he'd like that one. Also, Matt says he likes the suggestion of Terminal List. Been thinking about that. Uh, have you guys watched The Boys on Prime? best super ho- superhero show ever. Uh, I think Pete might have brought the boys up on Prime in a previous segment. If you guys have a show for us, you can always text him in at 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Uh, boys on Prime. I do think that Pete gave me that one in That's Entertainment segment a couple weeks ago. Maybe. I'll have to go back and look. And then... Uh, what was the other one? Oh, the suggested of Terminal List. Yeah, Matt, I, that one sounds compelling to me, too. I might have to go check that out. 
I probably will uh, put that on my list when I'm done the blacklist. All right, we're getting ready to wrap up the show. Before we do, Phillies line up tonight. I'll give it to you guys. Just because you're nice. They've made a lot of moves. Raphael Marchand got called up. Also, uh, Nick Duran, he's up for the night. Alec Bohm, Kyle Gibson, Aaron Nolan, JT Romuto are on the restricted list. Apparently, Bohm uh, might be back with that injury. Nick Maton's rehab assignment. He is at AAA, and Johan Camargo, he is now at AA Reading. The lineup tonight, Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Hall, Gregorius, Stott, Veerling, Herrera, Stubbs, Andrew Balotti gets the start tonight. He'll probably throw an inning. You'll see a uh, bullpen game from the Phils in Toronto against the Blue Jays. So, uh, big one for the Phils. This from The Athletic, Jason Stark, by the way. Uh, Baseball is a new experiment in the works. Sources tell Jason Stark another shift-limiting change is coming to the minors that will alter the way the Diamonds look in the low-A Florida State League. So, they are basically going to put, like, a little... um, like a like a pie, they're calling it, around second base. Major League Baseball hopes that the large pie-shaped chalk line that goes from the far tip of second base to the outfield grass will prevent infielders from playing behind the bag, and it will lead to more base hits up the middle. So they're going to have this, like, kind of V-shaped from second base to uh, the two outfields so that the shortstop and the second baseman can't go past those lines. They're using it in the low-A Florida State League. Interesting. I'd like to see high school fields paint those. Uh, you know, hey, can you paint that pie diamond around second base for us? All right, Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, download the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. And you can win tickets to see the Dave Matthews Band this Friday night. Download the app. Enter to win. Listen for your name Thursday at 5 o'clock here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Have a great night, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.